Hello and welcome to episode 215 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Joining me as always is the silky smooth League Freak. <laughs> at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm good. I showed you that in confidence. <laughs> and trust me. I'm very confident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. How's things? All good, mate. All good. Okay, um... Let's cut to the chase. Yeah. I've got a delivery during the week. Yes, so did I. And it's um, look, it's from Manscaped. Yep. And I'll be honest, I I haven't opened it yet. Okay. Now I, I have opened it, so I know what's in it. But we thought it would be cool to have like you open it, just to get your first reaction of what it's like. Yeah, that's right. So I've got my uh, trusty pocket knife. Okay. And I'm going to use it to open the box instead of cutting my hand. That's a good idea. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. By the way, if you go to manscaped.com and you put in our exclusive code for our listeners, that code is NRL, you get 20% off and free shipping. So, And that's for what Andrew, or anything on their website, but Andrew's seeing what he's got in this pack from Manscaped. So. All right. Open it up. Yeah. Got a bag here. What's in this? It's just a pair of boxes, is it? It's not shirt. It's a nice-looking T-shirt, hey? It's got on a tar. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. And it's got it on, like, it's got it, like, on the pocket area and across the back on the shoulders. In much larger letters on the back. Yeah. I'm going to wear it out. (laughs) 100%. Ah, now there's another box. Yes. Now it's got a it's got a pull thing, ah, right? Ah, yes, I see pull that. Pull that. Oh, trust me, I don't need to be taught how to pull. Okay. <laughs> I was born. Excuse I. <laughs> Man, this is a nice box. It, it is, isn't it? <laughs> It's got a um, bit of advertising there. Some all of the other things that um, you can buy with them. How Let's nice get you mowing. Yeah, it's like charge you from hand it the right way. Shows you which way to hold it, so you don't you know cut a cag out. Yep. There's a sack here. What's in the sack? Yeah, check out the sack. taken a while. Oh, this looks like it's the, the clipper stuff, is it? Yeah, all the attachments and things, so you can pick, it's like when you shave your head, you can pick the different levels you want so you can go like full, like you know, full Brazilian, or you can go with the stubble or whatever you're going for there. I'll be, I'll be going with the George Williams option. <laughs> the George Williams option. He's got staff to do his. Yeah, exactly. There's a bit of, uh, what do we got here? Crop Reviver, Ball Toner, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, some Crop Preserver, some Ball Deodorant. Everyone needs Ball Deodorant. Yeah. There it is. And there's uh, a... There you go. It's even got a light on it. So, you know, you can shave your cags in the dark. In the darkness, yeah. That's how I like to do it, in the darkness, with a spotlight. Um... 
I don't know, there's just something about it does it for me. There's also some uh, boxer shorts in there, yeah, too. Yeah, I just saw that, some boxer shorts here. See, the thing is that was, for me, I was, like, really impressed with was just, like, if you got that as a gift, and Father's Day is, I think it's in September, October, something like that, um, you get that Father's Day for someone, they're going to be really impressed. Like, they're going to open it and be like, oh, because it's a really nice package. It's all, like, the inside of the box is all, like, blacked out and it's got nice gold writing on it and stuff like that, and it's really impressive. Yeah. It really is. That's bloody awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, go to manscaped.com, put in the our code NRL, get 20% off, get free shipping. It's a 30-day money-back guarantee. And, yeah, fantastic gift for the dude in your life. Absolutely. For yourself, fellas. Get something nice for yourself. And hell, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Ladies can get one as well if they want. Yeah. Well, yeah, why not? They can do that. Yeah. Manscaped won't care if, if a woman's going to buy it. No, <laughs> not at all. Right, well, that's fantastic. Let's get into the footy talk. Round 13 just finished. Yes. And what, was the big, what do you think is the big takeaway from round 13? I think we're starting to see... Um, we're starting to see which teams are going to be in the finals, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, so it looks to me like Penrith are going to be a genuine top four team. Mm-hmm. Probably, I'd even say probably genuine top three. Um, you know, they're getting to that point now where they've won so many games where everyone's going to say, right, there's a loss around the corner for them. Yeah. And they're not looking like there's a chink in the armor. Like they're getting away to good quick starts. Mm-hmm. They're getting two or three tries up early before their opponents get on the board. And by then, Penrith's got too much of a lead. They just control the game from there on in. Um, Melbourne rested a few players and still put 40 points on. Yep. Um, they just keep rolling players off the production line. It's just impressive. Mm-hmm. Parramatta, who were, for mine, the uh, you know, preseason favourites for the title. Yeah. I don't know. Um, like, I'm the same. It's hard to judge them on today's game because those conditions were atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people had this opinion that there was a, a big gulf between Parramatta and Cronulla. Yep. And I think Cronulla were... I think they performed above what everyone thought of them. Yep. And proved that they're actually not that far behind Parramatta at all. And that's for a team that was missing a few players and fairly inexperienced... Um, and it may not be something that you you'd agree with, but Sean Johnson was fucking you know unbelievable in the wet. He was. He was very good in this game. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know the thing about Parramatta, and look, go back a month and a half, and they just looked unbeatable. They looked amazing, and they just beaten Penrith at about that time, mm. and it was like who's going to stop Parramatta? Um. I don't know. They they look like they've taken a step back. If I had to say the top two teams right now, I'd say Penrith number one, Storm number two, um, and I would say that the Eels are maybe falling back to the Roosters. I don't think the Roosters are going to win the title. And I was talking to a follower of mine on Twitter about this a couple of days ago. I, I think the Roosters they've got too many injuries. They've got a couple of players in that team that are absolute liabilities. In Jake Friend, 
Ryan Hall, who's not a first grader at all. Um, and I, I just think that it's going to be a bridge too far. They might be able to go further than you would normally expect just because they've got a, a lot of winning experience in the team. But I I don't look at this Roosters team. I mean, you watch a Roosters game and the commentators talk like they walk on water. And it's kind of weird to see because they, they're just beating some pretty average teams while they do it. So, like, I mean, the Dragons made them work for it. So I, I, I tend to think that the Roosters won't win it. I think it's a three-horse race at the moment. And I think the Raiders aren't going to win it either. Um, I think that they've got they've got a few players that are a liability in their team too. And, and I think they've taken a step back from last year. I think the Roosters and the Raiders have been hampered somewhat by injuries. And it's they've got some players coming back at different times. And it's just... It's creating a little bit of instability in the squad because they were, you know, they get on a bit of a roll with for like two weeks with the same sort of players, and then all of a sudden a few of their injured stars come back, and it sort of things get a little bit unstable for a week or two, and they just they look like they're about to, you know, hit their form again. Someone else comes back, and just things get a little bit wonky here and there, and they just haven't really hit their straps yet for some reason. Um, and look, they they on the weekend against Penrith, they had the ball for the first seven minutes, couldn't score a try, and for the next thirty three minutes, Penrith put on the best half of football I've ever seen a Penrith team play in my life. And I tweeted that out as soon as the half ended. Well, then I saw Ryan Girdler had tweeted the same thing. People started sending me his tweet, and they were like, "Look what Ryan Girdler sent." He said the same thing. Um, Mal Meninga on Fox Sports said that they played exquisite football in that first half. I think everyone was super impressed, and I, you know, they, the second half was not as good for Penrith. The Canberra Raiders won the second half, but they'd shut it down by then. The game was already run and run and won, and um, you know, the thing about Penrith that kind of shocks me is their effort is 80, 80 minutes. Like you don't get any sort of respite from the Panthers for eighty minutes. Their depth is ridiculous. Like, the only player I think that they can really lose and it's going to be a big problem is Cleary because their forward pack is super deep. They've been losing backs. Like, people don't realise their backs have been injured quite a lot this year and you just don't realise it because they've brought in this ridiculous, ridiculously deep roster of backs to replace them. Um, it's really only Cleary that's the one that seems irreplaceable and it'd, it'd be interesting to see how they played without Cleary. I mean, they did it for a couple of weeks, and they that was coming out of the lockdown, so it's hard to judge them on that. But they, you know, they won those games. So um, I, I'm kind of shocked at how good Penrith are. I really am. And, you know, I, I can't wait for the Eels game that's coming up down the track. I think it's about three or four weeks away now. But I went through the Panthers' roster and it was really only that one game against the Eels that I would even say is 50-50, which I know is is being pretty confident, but flat out, the rest of them, they should all win. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, as I said, I think, in our last episode, um, last year it looked like their whole attack was clunky and nothing was quite clicking. Mm-hmm. And so... The results they got were through 
just being a little bit classier or holding on to the ball better. Yeah. And that was it. Like, they struggled to score points last year. And remember their forwards um, were really soft. Yeah, the the forwards were not trying anywhere near hard enough. And I think it was because the attack was so poor. They were playing such simple football, lots of one-outs, and so it was easy to defend. It, was, it would have been hard for any forward to look good in that. Um, they're playing with a, bit, a lot more width now, and so they've got forwards running on different angles, and people have got more defined roles. Everything looks a lot smoother now, and it shows in their attack. They're scoring points easily. Um, Canberra, on the other hand, if you have a look on the uh, on the ladder, there's there's three teams in the bottom eight who have scored more points than this year: mm-hmm. the Tigers, the Dragons, and the Cowboys. Which is crazy. That shows you where the Raiders are at attack wise. Um, the Tigers have scored fifty seven points more than the Raiders this year. The Dragons have scored 16 points more. The Cowboys, the third last, only won three games, and they've scored seven points more. And this is the problem the Raiders have had all year. Like, it's not just something where the last few weeks their attack has really bogged down. This is something that we've talked about, you know. Can you can you win in the NRL with an English halfback? I don't think you can, uh, especially when... They're playing alongside a ball runner, a big hard ball runner. Um, in what's man, I forget his name all the time. What's his White. name? White. White. That's it. Because if you get just a half decent playmaker inside Whiten, Whiten can just play his own game. And Whiten is to an extent playing his own game still, but they're not. They've got no halfback play at all. We, I said that they had a problem at hooker. Um, and unfortunately, they've they've had a few problems at hooker since then. But yeah, they just they've fallen off. I I think they're out of it at this stage. I I think the issue is more so they don't have genuine attacking centres. I mean, Curtis Scott has been atrocious oh, this year. Terrible. And Croak has been honest, but he's not. He's never been an attacking powerhouse or anything like that. He's more of a defensive centre, if we're honest. And his defence um, at times and, is fucking atrocious. Yeah. Um, so that makes it hard. They've only just got John Bateman back, who was one of their attacking um, go-to players, and he got injured, so he's out again. Um, he got injured again? I believe so, yeah. Oh, really? Um, Elliot Whitehead, um, he's a genuinely class second rower, but he's parked on one side. And he's either playing too far into the middle or way too wide to try and help create opportunities there. And so the problem they've got is all they can do at the moment is just punch it up the guts. Yeah. And and the thing is, too, that and I think that these rules that we're playing under where the game's a bit quicker does not help Canberra. Um, I think that it is hindered Papali a little bit. Even though Papali's still a class player, I think that it's these rules are away from him a little bit. And I think Whitehead being, I mean, he's a toiler. He's not going to, you know, bust through lines and stuff like that. He's just going to work hard during the game. And, yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I worried about the Raiders going into this season. And I feel as though a lot of my concerns are sort of playing out. Um you know, whether they can turn it around. I just don't think they've got the personnel to. And I really do think that they need to 
They need to get a halfback or a hooker that has the ability to be a playmaker. And I think it's too late. I really do. I, I, I don't think that you can actually pick up anyone now going into the rest of the year. I think that they uh, they shut the door on that. So, um, man, it's a tough one for the Raiders because they would have gone into that game against the Panthers thinking, right, we test ourselves against the top team in the comp. They probably would have felt like they could have got one over the Panthers. Panthers are a young team. Raiders were in grand final last year, and the Panthers just ended it in 40 minutes, and it was kind of shocking the the way that they did that. Yeah, I mean, for honestly, the Raiders haven't been disgraceful this year. So no. they were never, never going to be an easy beat against Penrith. I mean, you need to look at their results. After the, the first three rounds where they had three very comfortable wins, mm. you know, they beat the Titans 24-6, the Warriors 26, Storm 22-6. Mm-hmm. And that was, got, a bit, that, was a, that was the game where people were like, holy shit. The Raiders, man, we got to watch them this year. They just put one on the storm. Yeah. Then they lost to Newcastle, and it was like it was by 16 points. They weren't in it. Mm. Um, beat the Tigers by eight, lost to Manly by eight in a game they should have won. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of where you thought, uh-oh. They were pretty strong against an informed Parramatta side, lost by one point. Yeah. Struggled over the Dragons, but got the win. Lost to Melbourne by six, then they beat... The Roosters, South, and the Cowboys, all by small margins. Mm. So it's not like they were atrocious. Like, their class alone was getting them home. Mm-hmm. But we saw that... What Essentially, what we saw against Penrith is that the class of the Raiders is not up to the same level as the class of the Panthers this year. Yeah. And it, it wasn't even close. No. And the, look, I, they're not alone, first of all. Uh, there's plenty of teams the Panthers have done this to this year. But, that I mean, that first half was just so complete. And I think the, the crazy thing about the Panthers is that, uh, and we've talked about it for a little bit now, their attack was a problem. And it was just going to be a case of some of their youngsters getting more games under their belt and realising how good they actually are. And I think that now we're seeing players like Crichton and Naden in particular who are, are like, oh, yeah, I'm a giant centre that is able to power my way through, run my way through, I'm athletic, and I'm getting good service from the people inside me. And they're, they're starting to get those results now. And the crazy thing to think about is that this is the youngest team in the competition by quite a way. Um, and they're, they're just going to get better. And they're, they're youngsters that they're blooding now, they're doing it in an environment where they're watching their teammates play 80-minute football and they're winning games and they're beating teams in, in grinding contests and, you know, they're learning all the good lessons that you want a footy team to learn and you want young players to learn. It's kind of crazy what could come of this team. Yeah, I mean, they're setting records at the moment that are matching them with, you know, what was it, 2003? Yeah, and it's weird. 91? Yeah, and it's weird because that, that 2003 team was like, a, it was like an atomic bomb went off in the NRL. It's like, boom, Penrith have come out of nowhere. They, I think they won 11 straight games that year, um, and it's really set up the rest of their year. And it's it's weird to line this team up against that team because that team is sort of holding such a special place 
But if you're being honest, statistically, this team is way better. And they're, they're the best defensive Penrith team I've ever seen. Yeah, no, they're, they're very impressive all across the park. Now, I wanted to quickly mention the Dragons. Yeah. Because they were atrocious to start the year, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been very little to change since then. They're still losing games, but they're scoring points, which is yeah. different. Yeah. Um. Like the against the Roosters on the weekend, they only made they only scored sixteen points, and I say only because the four weeks before that they was they scored twenty four at least each time, mm-hmm. and got two wins and two losses out of it. Mm-hmm. My question is to you: If you took Zach Lomax out of that side, would the Dragons win a game? Because he has scored one hundred and sixteen, one hundred and sixteen <laughs> of their two hundred and forty eight points, almost half. Wow. That's that's insane. Um, and he's been having an absolute fucking gun of a year. Yeah, he he's been he's been playing pretty well considering the team he's been in. Yeah, um, like you see him, he'll get the ball mm. and you just go, you know, you sit up and you go, shit, some something might happen here because that's just the way he's playing at the moment. He's just playing with spiders on him mm. and creating so many opportunities and scoring points. Oh, he's I can't believe that other clubs aren't trying to get him out of that system because he'd be a gun anywhere. I think he'd walk into pretty much any side at the moment. Yeah, there'd be a few teams that he'd be very handy on. Um, West Tigers? <laughs> just wait. They'll get him in eight or nine years. Just wait. Um, you know, the other player that I was impressed with on the weekend was Tristan Saylor, and he was playing at 5'8", which is where we both said we, we didn't know where he was going to play, but we'd like to see him play there. Um, and... Look, he defensively he is still he's still getting there. He's not quite there yet, but I think he provided them with a little bit of a spark that they've really been missing. Um, and I just can't wait until the the dragons tell him that they they're going to release him at the end of the year because that seems to be the way the dragons have been operating lately. Um, so he was pretty handy as well, especially now that the dragons have unearthed Adam Clune. Yeah. It seems like they've decided that he's going to be their long-term seven. And I don't know why. It's, it just means that you've got Corey Norman and Ben Hunt fighting over the six-jumper. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen because, I mean, they're spending, what, $2 million for those two players? They've got yeah. to, they, they're just going to be compelled to fit them in there somewhere to justify their wages. And so Sailor's just going to be, he's just going to be on the outer. Yeah, there's no place for it. I mean, it's not like you can play him at fullback. Um, I think he's super wasted on the wing. He's definitely not a centre. He's I don't I don't think he's a, a hooker at all. I, I think you've got to play him at five eight and and just let him be a footballer to a certain extent. And yeah, it's it does. It feels like that he's going to be the guy that they they let go. And man, it, it'd be a, I think it'd be a really big mistake by the Dragons because. They really need to hold on to those players that can spark their attack. Um, I'll tell you what, if you're a team that needed a six and a nine, mm. and you had someone with a bit of fucking brains about them, mm. you'd go up to Tristan Sailor and say, "Look, we'll offer you this, and you can have a genuine starting spot in our side next year." And then you go up to Brandon Smith at the at the Storm and say the same thing to him. Yeah, knowing that both clubs have got cover for those positions. Well, who would you do that with then? Well, like- I'll tell you what. 
if I was, say, let's just pick a team at random. Say, like the West Tigers. <laughs> yes. Are you you don't the... have a six or a nine set for next year. Yeah. They would be too relatively cheap, given that they're in, spine, in the spine. Mm-hmm. Brilliant options to have with lots of upside and yeah. a long future in front of them. Um, Brandon Smith is ready. Yeah. Oh, he's still playing there all over the place to accommodate Cameron Smith, and there's no way knowing the Storm are going to dump Harry Grant because we've seen what Harry Grant can do. I mean, we saw how much he makes the Tigers better. Yeah. I mean, just by the fact he didn't play on the weekend, the Tigers got decked by 40. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way the Storm are letting him go. And if they're going to sit there and say, look, we need to have a, you know, a more attack-oriented hooker, then they're going with Harry Grant. There's no you, there's no two ways around it. Yeah, you kind of you kind of have to. Yeah, and Grant uh, Grant can hold his own in defence as well. That's the other thing that yeah. makes him makes it a more obvious choice to stay with him. I also worry about Brandon Smith's style of play because he is he goes into everything one thousand miles an hour, and I love watching him play, and he's an absolute wrecking ball. But it's a little bit like Isaac Luke in the sense of I I worry that his his career is going to tail off at an earlier age than it maybe would for other players because he plays that way. The other thing about him is he's a good, very good hooker, but I feel as though you get more out of him when he's playing that sort of back rower sort of role where he he can use his footwork and he's, he's a smaller size player. He's very good defender. And I feel as though he, the storm especially get a hell of a lot out of him in that role and I wonder if they actually get more of him in that role, out of him in that role, than they do from him when he does play hooker. And it's a, that's a weird thing to say because he's a hooker. And to have a, a smaller dude like him, and he's built like a brick shit house, but it, I, I still wonder if you get more out of him in that role that they've had him in for the last couple of months. Yeah, it's a good question. I think that's one that the Storm are trying to figure out. Um, I know I saw an article recently where Dale Finnegan came out and said that he's willing to um, change positions so that the Storm can keep Harry Grant and Brandon Smith both in the same team, which would suggest that Smith would play at lock, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the only problem with that is I, I think his attacking talents are being wasted by being a battering ram. Like, he does play bloody hard. Yeah. But he's, he's, he's not exactly... Uh, you know, an absolute idiot when it comes to attack and, and yeah. organising the, the play as well. And I think I think he needs to be given that opportunity. And I don't think he's ever going to get it at the Storm um, because he'll be behind Cameron Smith and that'll be behind Harry Grant. And so he's going to he's never going to be a genuine nine again. He's just going to be a a Victor Radley type player. You just play him anywhere in the forwards. And I, I think for a bloke who's played Test footy for New Zealand as a hooker, I think he deserves a little bit better than that. Yep. And I reckon he'd walk into a nine jumper at nearly any other NRL club. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think I think the Tigers would be stupid not to offer him a contract. Um Yeah, make him an offer he can't refuse too. And not uh, not not like to try and undercut him. I know the, the West Tigers have a really good history of trying to underpay top class players, but you know, <laughs> they they're gonna eventually have to wake up and realise that if you want somebody that's at the proper top of their game, you're gonna have to pay for it. I think one thing they should look at doing is saying, 
Um, and this is going to be a bit uh, left field, I guess. Mm-hmm. I said to Brandon Smith, we want to sign you on a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. And by your second or third year, we want to be looking at you as being the captain of the club. Yeah. Who yeah, else have they I, got? I agree. I don't think that would be a bad idea at all. Because he, he, look, he, he's a test player, as you say. He's he's also somebody that leads by example. Like, even in that Storm team that's got so much experience, he gets the ball and he sparks a lot of their attack just by the way he runs the ball, the way he gets involved. Even in defense, on the defensive side of the ball, he can do that too. Um, it, it, I, I love him. I love watching him play. He's one of my favorite players to watch play. Oh, and, like, how many teams would turn him down. I think that the, weirdly enough, I think the Storm would turn him down because they've got Cameron Smith and Harry Grant. I think that the uh, Panthers would probably turn him down because the Coruscant situation is just like perfect player for the perfect situation. There wouldn't be too many other teams, so that I, th- I think uh, Parramatta would turn him down. Yep. Um, Canberra would, whether we think they should or not, it's a different matter, but Canberra would turn him down. They'd the Roosters would turn him down. Do you, reckon, do you reckon that the Roosters wouldn't have him instead of Jake Friend? No, I think the Roosters would see um, Radley as their long-term nine. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you know, it's interesting because I had somebody saying to me uh, probably about a month ago that if uh, if Hodgson, Josh Hodgson wasn't a palm, that I wouldn't have been saying how bad he was for uh, the attack at the Raiders. And it was interesting because in this, the exact same day, and it was I think it was an early game, I'd been saying what a liability Jake Friend was <laughs> for the Roosters. And no one said shit about that. But yeah, I had he's... like, you know, a lineup of uh, pasty-faced, bad-teeth, bald-headed idiots messaging me for about a week and a half over Hodgson. And um, it's interesting because I've, I've started seeing Roosters fans now tweeting how bad he is for that team. And they love running organization, loves Jake Friend. But man, he's bad for them. He's really bad for them. Yeah, the thing that made Jake Friend good was the fact that he didn't have to do much um, attack wise because he always had, you know, two good halves to mm. do the most of that work for him. Um, some talented outside backs and, and back rolls as well. So the pressure on him attack wise. And even to this day, he's still very limited. There's not much he has to do. When you've got Kiri, Flanagan's been pretty good. Um, you've got Tedesco at the back. You throw in the fact you've got some some bloody good centers as well. Mm-hmm. you just got to pass the ball on to people, and they'll just do the rest of the work for you. So it makes his job a lot easier. But I think if you had to put Jake Friend in another team that doesn't have those luxuries, he'd be exposed pretty quickly as just being a bloke who passes off the deck and tackles a lot. Yeah, and look, I, I don't think he's a first grader right now. And I know that that's, there'll be people that'll be like, what are you talking about? But I really like, I've really watched him play over the last couple of months, and there's he makes bad decisions. His passing game isn't that good. Um, he gives away stupid penalties a lot. And I, he's like the most unroosters player that you could find. And the club loves him, though. Like, I think if the club didn't love him, he wouldn't be playing for them right now. Yeah, it's a tough one, I guess. But um, I suppose the other thing, too, they don't really have any other genuine nine options at the moment with Radley being mm. injured. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. 
that's the thing. And it's like, I know they tried Lachlan Lamb a little bit at hooker in, at times in games. They moved him um, into the starting side and dropped Flanagan, which was an interesting thing. I, I, I've seen Lachlan Lamb play in the reserve grade. I actually called a game he was in and I've seen a fair few games of him so far this season, and I don't see, I don't see the hype. I don't get it. Yeah, it's um, that's a good comment, well made. Go on, jump in with me, Lachlan Lamb. Shit, forever. Not a first I, grader. Come on. I think the Come problem on. I'm seeing with Lachlan Lamb is yeah. a very English coaching idea, and that is every halfback can be a hooker. Yeah, and no. No, no, especially not in the NRL. You've no. you've got to be a good defender if you're going to be a number nine. Um, and I don't know. I've, I'll be honest. I've not seen enough of Lock and Land to to be able to make a a genuine decision on him. But I haven't been overly impressed with what I have seen so far. Yeah. But I'm willing to give him a few more chances. But saying that, um, if you're a seven and you can't look good in that that rooster side, I don't know. Something not quite right. I mean, Kyle mm. Flanagan walked in there and has, has looked like a million bucks pretty mm. quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he was dropped, but yes, there you go. Do you know uh, who looked terrible today was uh, Michael Morgan for the Cowboys? Yes, yes. He was, um, let's be honest, he was shit. Yeah. And it, so were the Cowboys. They I mean, really were. They didn't they turn got up. They got schooled. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the really dumb thing I found with the Cowboys today, more than yeah. anything, was they did they made very little effort to get Tormalalo involved in the game until the last twenty minutes when he came back on. I went, yes. when you have an absolute beast of a human like that who can create opportunities just through running straight, mm. and all you've got to do is just loiter around him. Um, why are you not using that? The kicking game was atrocious. Mm-hmm. Their options on the last tackle were just horrid mm-hmm. and their defense especially on the edges it was laughable yeah i was looking at it thinking i was looking at it thinking i think the tigers could beat them yeah i agree and, and like in, in that game the one shining light was every so often tom alolo would just do a hit up and he'd still carry plays with him but outside of that there was nothing at all from the the cowboys and you got to wonder like Josh Hannay wants to take over as the coach. I wonder if he's been basically told he won't be the coach, and so he's checked out, which is fair enough. Um, but there's, I was actually watching them play today, and I thought, didn't Paul Green make the right decision? Because he can look, at, he can point to that team with anybody that he goes into an interview with, and say, you know what, I had a lean couple of years at the Cowboys, but look how bad they got as soon as I left. Because this is a team that, this team, and they were playing the Titans. They made the Titans look really, really good. Yeah. The two, the one person they made look really good in that Titans side was Ash Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, he looked like he was coming with everybody, right decision he probably could today. Um, but the most impressive player for me on that field today was uh, Kevin Proctor. Yeah, he played very well. He I actually... haven't seen him play that good since he left the Storm. Yeah, and you know what? I was watching him play, and I was thinking to myself, don't give him another contract. Let him go. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was this moment where uh, Ash Taylor put a grubber in, I think it was, mm-hmm. and it was way too heavy. Mm-hmm. And 
Proctor had with all the speed of one of the fast swings in the game came flying through, dived over the dead ball line and raked the ball back before it went dead and got it back into the end goal and Brian Kelly scored and I looked at him and went, the fuck is this Superman shit he's pulling out of his ass? Since when was he that fast and that agile? It's like that Greg Inglis trying that test match, yeah. the centenary test match. That's exactly what it was like. Mm. How does he do that? Inglis, yeah, you can understand it. Mm. Fucking Kevin Proctor, what? Well, that's the thing about Kevin Proctor. Like, when he was at the Storm, he was a really handy player. Big dude, athletic for his size, like good mobility for someone as big as him. Went up to the Titans and he just switched it off, which was really weird. I think um, a large part of it, though, is he was he had coaches that were trying to make him run straight lines like Luke Lewis all the time. Yeah. And Luke Lewis ran straight lines because he got old and didn't have the agility anymore. Mm-hmm. But he still had that. Um, that's sweet, sweet running. Man, he ran sweet lines. And so you didn't need the step at the line. He could just hit those lines hard, fast, and go through and, and still worked. And that's what they tried to turn Proctor into. Yeah. Um, but man, he was, he was on another, he, he wrecked the Cowboys today. He really did. Uh, th- one of the best games I've ever seen him play. Mm. Um, that and... pass he did on the inside for, um, uh, Brimson to score. Mm. He took a crash ball and then sent a little inside ball. My like, God, how'd you pull that shit off? That <laughs> <sighs> oh, was a phenomenal game. And the Cowboys just looked, they looked horrid. They I really didn't see did. a single player on their team who I looked at and thought they could, they would walk into another NRL side. And I know I'm saying that a lot at the moment, but I mean that's how you got to judge players is how they compare with their, you know, with their rivals. Yeah, there and, was uh, the one player I think it was Drinkwater who there was a game a, a few weeks ago where he he literally was dropping passes off of scrums that were part, like really just dead drops, no reason to drop it. And he started doing it early on in this game too. And I think it was him anyway. Um, And like to the point where if they had have hooked him, it would have made the team better. But he had so many, like Cohen Hess, I would never sign him. He's done. He's like, remember Dane Carlaw? He's Dane Carlaw 2.0. Starts his career looking like a monster, and then it just disappears overnight, and it never returns. Like, he should sign for Salford or something. Um, there were so many players in this Cowboys team that were just... And, and the the sad thing was, you watch Michael Morgan. I know he's come back from injury, but when you look last year, and he looked like he was getting bashed out of the game, basically, and you wondered to yourself, like, is, is he going to come back next year and be able to really handle rugby league again first grade rugby league well he gets injured yeah look i found today more than anything he looked tentative wouldn't say scared or timid but he looked tentative um he wasn't taking the line on his yeah. kicking game was really average um yeah he just looked very timid yeah terrible absolutely terrible um Let's go to the elephant in the room. Okay. West Tigers. Okay. You know what? We might have to turn off that F1. For the people that don't know, Andrew's showing me the F1 race on, on Skype. Allegedly, because that would be illegal. But, yeah, we might have to do that just to save the connection. 
No, I need a distraction. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to go into the details of this game because they were, they're atrocious. What's, what's yeah. worth noting is the West Tigers have got an awful lot of players who they need to get rid of mm-hmm. before Christmas. And I'm talking yeah. this Christmas. Um, let's just go alphabetically through the through the list, shall we? Michael okay. Cheekham, he's 28. Um, no. <laughs> Robert Jennings? No. Chris Lawrence, sorry, mate. I love you as a player, but... It's you know, over. You've, you've done your 250 games. You've got your... You've got a well, well-earned 250 games on my, mind you, mm-hmm. um, but you don't deserve many more. And it's not because you're not putting in. God knows you do put in, but the skills, they've left you behind. Mm-hmm. Joe Lolua, I was not confident at the start, and I, I just, I, I'm just, i just sick of seeing him in the team right now. Some of the tackle attempts he makes in the game, you're just looking at him and what the fuck are you doing? Like, you've got arms hanging off the edge of your shoulders. Use him, you dickhead. And the weird thing is, you know, at the start of the game, he gets the ball, palms one guy off, and puts his winger into space. And you're thinking, man, if he played like that all the time, he'd be one of the best players in the game. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the game, it's just garbage. Out of garbage. Chris McQueen, goodbye. Um, Benji Marshall is still the best half of the club, but um, I don't think he's going to get better next year. I yeah. think I'd be telling him to retire at the end of the year, make him a coach or something like that. Yeah. Moses and Bai's got to go. And that's because we don't know what his position is, but every position they've tried him in so far, he's he's just not been good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's on way too much money. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Packer, goodbye. Josh Reynolds, goodbye. Elijah Taylor has to go. And then we're going to look at players like Billy Walters, who's in his mid-20s. His knee's gone, ACL and MCL. That, and the thing is, the Tigers are looking at him at being a genuine nine option. I mean, how many... Have they not learnt? Have they not learnt? Obviously, the answer's no. But when when Robbie Farrow got injured several years ago, they brought in... You know, they saw it as an opportunity to bring in that Matt Ballon, mm-hmm. who, just, who just took... <laughs> He just took a heap of paychecks from the Tigers and gave him about 60 minutes of game time in three years. Yeah. And that's not exactly fabricating it either. He barely, I don't even think he actually played 80 minutes over three years for the club. No, nah, I'm pretty sure. Retired. Yeah, yeah. I think it was <laughs> 60 minutes, actually, because there was like a, a bit of a game he got injured and then he come back and I think he got injured again or something weird like mm-hmm. that. And his, his replacement was always going to be... Jacob Little and the poor kid's just been injured the whole time. Every time he plays, he just gets injured again. He's had like three knee operations or something, and he's only 22 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Tigers have just got to bite the bullet and say, you know what, we need to buy a genuine nine. And if I was them, I'd be yeah, I'd be looking at Brandon Smith. If you can't get him, then I'd be going to the Titans and taking either Mitch Rain or preferably Nathan Peets and just say, look, we need one of you. Mm-hmm. They just need someone with experience who's a genuine nine at the club. Yeah, um, and Brandon Smith so, would be best, but I'd, I'd take Pete. He's not a bad player. Yeah, and like waiting for a young dude who you want to play hooker, who is injury prone, and it's like you give him his chance and he gets injured again and he's gone for the year. It's it's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you waiting for? This isn't working. You don't need to see it anymore. Um, I, I look at this team. 
the only players that Luciano Leilua has been a brilliant signing for them. He's, he's been, been great. He's been phenomenal. And even I had doubts about him when he came across. Mm-hmm. Um, only because he just couldn't hold down a spot in that Dragon side. But then again, Dragons had a pretty good forward pack, so yeah. understandable. But yeah, he's been he's been dynamic at the, like the Jack, Tigers. Edge. I like Josh uh, Josh Alloye. I think yeah. he's a bloody good player. He's a beast. Um, Sean Bloor, who made his debut, I think he's the was he the Panthers junior? Yeah, he was. Yeah. That kid looks like he's got a ton of potential. I'm reminded a bit of Simon Dwyer with him. I don't know if you remember him or not. Yep. Um, I like the look of him. Um, Alex Alex Twole is a, is a very good lock. He's been hampered before injury. What do you do with Luke Brooks? Because at the start of the year, we were saying, like, Luke Brooks, he might start looking elsewhere. At this stage, I watch him play, and I'm like, man, the, the West Tigers should be telling him to look elsewhere. He's just... I don't know what is doing with him this year, but he is just giving them zero. Here's, here's the problem with the Tigers and Luke Brooks and why it works in Luke Brooks's favour, okay, is, okay, if the Tigers say we don't want Luke Brooks anymore, who are they going to get who's going to cost a similar price to Luke Brooks given that the Tigers don't exactly have a lot of salary cap space to, to use mm. and given that, Halfbacks at this stage are costing around about a million dollars a pop. That's a good point. And that's the problem they're in is if they wanted another halfback, the only one that's going to be coming off the market at the moment is Ash Taylor. And is he an upgrade on Luke Brooks? And I'd say, I'd argue no. No, I, I right now I'd say it's a sideways move. It is, and at the moment you're getting Luke, Luke Brooks for cheaper. Yeah. So you stick with him. Um, the. They do have some young guys coming through. I don't know when they're going to be ready. Some Tigers fans are suggesting they should be given a go now. I'd say no. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do there. I like <coughs> North Loomer is obviously a great player, like top-of-the-line player. Um, Tommy Talao, I don't mind him. I think he's looked all right in games. I think he probably just needs a little bit more... Um, experience, but there's yes. things I've seen him do. He's pretty handy. He's a handy player. His hands let him down at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's a pretty handy player. Their forwards are generally pretty good. Like Thomas McHale, he's been been much much improved this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Oliver Clark, Luke Garner, they've both been very good as well. So Sam McIntyre's played pretty well when he's when he's um played. So they've got some some decent young forwards there. I don't know if they need much work there. It's their spine that's the problem. And the th- the thing with the Tigers is like, if you say to Maguire, you can do whatever you want. If you think Benji Marshall needs to go at the end of the year, man, we give you the green light, okay? But this is a club that for twenty, basically twenty years, has stuck by the thing of like, no, we don't pay for talent. <laughs> <laughs> and so who thing, are they going to get? And the other thing they've always done too is they've always been absurdly loyal to players. Mm. And it's for no reason either. Like some players don't deserve loyalty and not because of their behavior, but because their form doesn't warrant it. Yeah. And they've got to get rid of this mentality of we've got to be loyal to players. There's no such thing as loyalty 
that hasn't been for years. A lot of people always whinge about, oh, what happened to the loyalty in rugby league? You know, there was never loyalty in rugby league. We discussed yeah. this in one of our first ever episodes. Mm-hmm. What there was was forced loyalty, where you either played for the team you were, you know, where you represented, and then had a lifetime contract with and could never break, or you didn't play a rugby league. Yeah, there's no loyalty, and so you've got to stop thinking about that. You've got to start going, right, we need to win games. Winning is the best currency in rugby league. And at the moment, being loyal to players who are not getting the job done does not does not result in wins. Three mm-hmm. finals appearances in 20 years is proof of that. It's time to change the fucking record. Yeah, what, what did you think about the criticism from Tigers fans about Maguire and his coaching? Like, do you think that, do you think that it's, criticism that's warranted or do you think that it is a little bit unfair considering the situation he's in like if i'm mcguire right now i look at the situation and if he can't do what he wants to do i i consider it being my last year at the tigers i challenge any first grade coach worth their soul to take on that entire squad and make them perform better Mm. i can't you cannot blame Maguire. Look at the talent he's got to work with. He's mm. bringing through a bunch of juniors to try and make them, you know, try and grow a bit of depth that he can work with for a few years at the club so that he can bring in some stars to put around him. And that part of the of his job at the moment is working. He's brought through a lot of good young players there. But he's got so much of the cap tied up in players who are not delivering anymore and have barely delivered for the club. Mm. And that needs to be cleaned out. And if that means that next year they've got to write it off, probably even get a spoon, just so that they can clear out a heap of players, sure, they might have to take a hit to the salary cap for the year. But if that's what they've got to do to clear the decks and get some, some space free to buy some players in 2022, then so be it. Mm. They can't carry these players for, for another season. They've got to say at the end of the year, right, that's it. We're cancelling all these players' contracts. Yeah. Pay them out in full. I don't care what it costs. You can't be carrying them anymore. Because it's just yeah. another year where you're wasting it because some of these players are signed up till 21, 22. You've got to get rid of them. You know, at the at the start of the year when we did our pre-season uh, preview, I tipped the West Tigers to come last. And I, they've, I've had an egg on my face all year. They've played well above where they should be. The last few weeks have been disappointing. This is the first game I've watched them and thought, oh, man, like... That's a, that's a wooden spoon sort of performance they've put in. Um, they're not going to get the wooden spoon. They're, they're too far ahead um, at this stage of, say, the Bulldogs and the Broncos and that. But they they, they put on that performance on the weekend, and it, it was shocking how bad they were. It was, uh, And it's sad to see. And it, it's the first time I sort of have watched Benji Marshall, and Benji hasn't been playing great over the last three weeks. It's the first time I watched Benji Marshall and have actually thought to myself, I think that it's it might be time. Um, I think he could probably go to another club and, and perform well. But I think in this situation, I think the Tigers need a change. And I don't think it does Benji any, any, um, anything to be playing like this in this team. No, I think Benji to go well at um, probably the Titans next year, the forward pack they're going to have. Mm. Um, it might be something that would help a young half there. Um he wouldn't be a bad idea for one season at the Bulldogs either or the Warriors. Um, just to help some young players get a bit of experience next to someone like him. Mm-hmm. 
because he's going to offer a lot of more experience than just on the field stuff too. It's going to be off the field. He's he's going to be very handy with as well. Yeah. And he's one of those players that doesn't matter which club he goes to, there'd be a lot of good you know, positive publicity behind it as well. And I yep. think if he went to the Warriors for one year, it'd be like, you know, you see the stories, you know, Benji comes home, that sort of thing. Mm. But um, the Tigers have got a rough, rough trot home. So next week, well, sorry, this weekend, is probably the last of their, um, well, it is the last of their soft game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they play the Bulldogs. And you'd you'd have to tip the Bulldogs, eh? Hey? You can't trust them. But after that, how's this for a run home? Round 15, Roosters. Round 16, Penrith. Round 17, Manly at Manly. Round 18, South. Round 19, Melbourne. Round 20, Parramatta. Holy shit. Man, um, even the worst, so I, they're, they're I, fighting for their finals places. Yeah, and some of them are already secured. Yeah. Um. But I said after they lost to the Warriors last week, Tigers are not going to finish ninth this year. And I know people thought I was joking around, and part of it was joking around because, you know, Tigers always finish ninth. But the key to finishing ninth is being able to pick up a win like every second week or so. Yeah. They're not getting that from this run home. No. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's it's six losses. Unless they can pull out maybe a win against Manly and South. They're two teams that have they've had a little bit of wood on over the over recent times. Yeah. But that's not going to be enough. I can't no. see them. If they finish 10th, they'll have achieved well, I think, at this rate. Yeah, and, and that's where they sit right now, 10th spot. The Warriors are, are the same competition points as them and getting better. The more players they lose, the Warriors are getting better, weirdly. <laughs> um you know, the Titans are getting better as well, and they're only one win behind them. So if they could hold on to 10th place, it would be a really good effort by them. But, yeah, that, that's a that's a really terrible run for them coming home. And, man, if they didn't win another game this season, it wouldn't be shocking. Like, Manly's going to be difficult. Manly's got to win that game. If they want to be in the finals, Manly's sitting in ninth place right now. The Sharks are going pretty well. I, th- I think the Knights have secured their place in the final. I think that they are what they are at this stage. I've underrated them, obviously. But the Rabbitohs, Sharks, and Manly, only two of them three are going to get in. And so Manly has to win those those games that they should win at this stage. Yeah, Sharks have got a, a mixed draw run home. Like they get, um, they've got the Titans this weekend. And then... Penrith, then Cowboys, then Knights, then Warriors, then Roosters, then Canberra. And so it sort of goes, you know, hard, soft, hard, soft, hard, soft. That's what she said. Mm, I was waiting for that one. <laughs> um, you know, as far as everyone at home goes. And that, that sort of mixed mixed form line mm. does lend itself to a few random wins here and there, which I think is going to be enough for them to hold on to a finals place. Yeah, and look, I, I'm shocked by it. I didn't think they'd make the finals. Um I think I must be one of the few people who didn't think that the Sharks would finish with a wooden spoon this year. A lot of yeah. people had them getting the spoon. I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't think so. I had them right down. <laughs> I tell you what, they need to not play Matt Moylan. There was a there was a one point there where um, Moses gets the ball on a break and Moylan's there. And Sean Johnson was way behind Moylan, ended up making a try-saving tackle. But Moylan just 
jogged. Didn't even put on the the speed at all. I was thinking, man, they need to get rid of him. He'll look good in Tigers colours next year, Matt uh, Moylan. <laughs> I'm I'm confident the Bulldogs will sign him. You reckon? Yeah. Because yeah, uh, the, yeah, ti- the, ti- the Tigers will sign for him. <laughs> well, he would be a Tigers signing, wouldn't he? He would. They'll Jeez. probably sign Michael Leisha as well in a package deal. They, they will talk to they'll talk to Brandon Smith, right? Yeah. Go in the paper and say it could be a million dollar player, and then they'll sign Jake Friend. Oh no, Jake Friend's played Test football for Australia. They don't sign those players. Oh, don't they? <laughs> no, no, no. They'll sign Andrew McCulloch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, they'll say, like, no, our, our, our hookers are set. We're going with Little and Walters. We're confident they can play more than three weeks without getting injured for the rest Seriously, of the The last former Test player for Australia mm-hmm. that the Tigers bought was Robbie Farrow when they brought him back from South. Jeez. That's right. I challenge anyone, because I'm not going to look it up, I challenge anyone to name the test player they had before that, who was an Australian test player, who they brought to the club prior to Farah coming back. Is it, is it Terry Hill? It probably is. And, and John Hopawati, like I generally don't know. I've not bothered to look at it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I can't think of anyone else. Pat Richards was an Irish international. And yeah, his kickoffs, man. His kickoffs. But we're, we're talking Australia here. Okay. But he's as Australian as you and me. No, he's Irish. I know, but he's Australian as you and <laughs> No Irish in my blood. It's all, it's all mad Scotsman. <laughs> if I know you, you, you'd probably have... Oh, what would roll you up? Oh, you'd be Welsh. Oh, fuck that, <laughs> man. You, I tell, you know how you can tell I'm not Welsh? I've actually got some plus sides to me. <laughs> so the way on the way I know that you're not Welsh is you don't have any F Ys and Ds in your name. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like a it's like somebody got a bunch of scrabble tiles and threw them across the room and said, Whatever you pick them up as, that's my name. <laughs> but they're wonderful players. The Welsh players are just I don't know where they are. They they're wonderful though. Can we talk about Nathan Brown? Yes, please. I've been stewing on this one. He did an interview on NRL.com. Did you read it? Is this the one we talked about who would make a great signing for the club? Amongst other things. Okay. All I heard was that one. So let me get that one out of the way. He came out and said essentially that Jack DeBellin would be a great signing for the Warriors. And I thought, man... You haven't even been in the club for five minutes and you're already creating bad headlines for it. Good work, Nathan. Excellent. Wonderful, wonderful move. Um, he talked himself up as a coach, talked up his Super League career, said that the best years were ahead of him, mm-hmm. um, said that he's got good experience and stuff. And like, It sounds like he's trying to sell a used car. It, it really did. There was something about it. And it was funny because they – the Warriors offered this job to Todd Payton and Todd Payton said no. And it felt like about three days later, they had signed Nathan Brown. Well, Brown was on Fox sports and Brown basically said that he considered the role talked earlier in the year, talked about it with his wife, said, no, not going to go for it. And then after Todd Payton turned it down, 
he he talked to his wife again and said, you know what, maybe I should go for that job. Calls up his manager, says, get me the phone number of the owner. Talks to the owner. 60 minutes later, he's the coach. <laughs> I shit you not. And it felt like it. It felt like that's what happened. Oh, man. It's such a... It's such a Warriors move. Like, here they are. And the thing is, they doubled down. Because they didn't just settle for Nathan Brown as coach. They got that old whinging turd on there, Phil Gould, to be their director of whatever it is, whinging. And he's Um, going to move to New Zealand? No. So he's going to do this by fucking email, I guess. Text message. (laughs) Yeah. So what the fuck is he actually doing? Oh, I just thought, man. I, I, I reckon I can see what's happening. He's talked, you know, because because Mr. Gould has had an opportunity to talk about everything he's done so brilliantly and not talk about the things he's done badly because that's not what he's going to do. Pretty much anyone that's in a rugby league club who doesn't have a brain um, says, oh, Phil Gould's really, really good at setting up juniors and, and, you know, he's got a real brain for the game and he can make us successful. And I'm not going to say that that's not entirely true. There's obviously some truth to it. But just because you can make it work at one club where there's a ton of juniors to work with doesn't mean you can do it at every club. And, and the thing I don't is, know, I just... People talked about the way that he, he got the Panthers juniors going, right? And the analogy I've used is that he walked up to a gold mine with a pickaxe and started chipping away at the gold. And people said, Manny, he's producing gold. It's like, yeah, it was always fucking there. The club had just put the pickaxes away for a few years so for some weird, weird reason. And look, Phil Gould come in and he did a lot of things the Panthers needed done. And he, had, he was given free reign to do them and he did them. And I'm grateful for that. But to say that he, he was the reason why the Panthers are producing juniors again, I'm sorry, they didn't stop producing juniors. They just stopped, they had stopped using them, weirdly enough. And this is the Penrith Panthers. And it's been the Penrith Panthers going back to, going back to the mid eighties. They've produced these players. It's, you know, I don't know what miracle he's supposed to do for them. And then some of the, like some of these quotes by Nathan Brown, I thought were outrageous. So so I've got to read some of them, right? Well, before you get to that, can I just say one last thing about Phil Gould based on a comment you just made about him walking up to a gold mine? Yeah. That's basically his career as a coach. And this is going to be controversial. Mm-hmm. because he did have a good coaching career. He won yep. almost 60% of his games. Yeah. But he took over as coach of the Bulldogs for his first coaching gig, only a few years after they won the premiership. Mm-hmm. And they still had a core of a really strong team. Won a premiership with them. They had a poor year in 1989. He left them to go to a Penrith side that were clearly on the up. Yeah. Um, and they made two set. grand finals in a row. Yeah, they were set. He didn't have yeah. to do any real work there. They won two premierships in a row. And then just as they were on the downside and they were you know, starting to go down in 1993-94, he ditched them and went to the Roosters who were starting to build up and come good again. And he carried them through until the 90s. He didn't win a premiership with them, but he built them up. Yeah, and the thing was too, when he went to the Roosters, that was about the time Super League hit. That's and right. he got an open checkbook and he took Matt Singh and Brad Fittler with him, which exactly. were like, you know, and just went from there. Yeah. 
And so a lot of people say that he brought a lot of success to those clubs, but if you look at the, the way those clubs were trending before he got to them, they were either trending up or they were already set. You know, the Roosters were trending up. People don't remember, in 1990, they were very close to being the Wooden Spooners, and they weren't much better the two years after that. And then he brings across Fittler and Singh. Might have been a few other. Nigel Gaffey, I think, was another one. Mm. <clears throat> but he brought across a few of these players, and they started to become successful. Yeah. He may have had a bit to do with it, but they were already on the in, they were already on the improve at that stage. Um, and same went with Penrith. I mean, Penrith were growing immensely during the mid to late eighties. Yeah. Everyone could see that they, they were building up to something really strong. He jumped at the right time. Every time he moved coach uh, clubs, he always jumped to the right club at the right time. And that's a good thing. Like that, that, that's a good thing. It's a smart yeah. thing. But at the same time, yeah. he wasn't necessarily leaving a club in a better position when he did leave it. And I think that's more of a measure of a coach. Yeah, and look, you know, you could say that he left Penrith in his role as a general manager in a very strong position, and he did. He changed a lot of things. The Panthers were a, a rotten club. They had nothing going for them <coughs> when he turned up, and he did. He, he, cha- he turned a lot of that around off the field. But I think this this narrative that's been going on of, well, he, he got their pro- juniors producing players again, it's like... That never stopped. It was just that Panthers stopped using them, and I don't know why they did. It, it makes no sense to me because it's, and it shows how poorly the run that run the club was at that time. Where, you know, you got this natural resource, and your youngsters who are, you're going to be paying unders until they get big offers elsewhere, and for some reason they weren't paying those players, and they're bringing in some real shit players from other clubs. Um, you know, I, I and. You know, what do you do? If he's going to go over and fix the juniors, I want him to be there. You know, if somebody had said he's going to fix the Penrith Panthers juniors up, but he's going to live in North Queensland, it would have been saying, are you fucking serious? What are we doing here, man? And that's what he's basically going to do. Like, he kind of has to move to New Zealand. Because if he doesn't do that, well, then he's he's literally emailing the job in. Yeah, and if that's the case, then fuck, I want to apply for a job at the Warriors. I reckon, hey, I could do it. I'd, I'd even do it over Skype. There's an upgrade. Yeah. I mean, I'll go one up on you. I'll even buy a webcam. Oh, shit. Man, I'm committed. Yeah. I, I'm not that committed. Yeah, but... You know what? I'll do it at a fraction of the cost that Feel Good does it at. That fraction might be 999 one thousandths, but it'll be cheaper. Can we talk about the fact that this year Feel Good decided that he was going to fix the referees and then he was going to fix the NRL and then he was going to be a player agent and now he's going to fix the Warriors. Like, can you, can we, can we pick one? You know what? I think the fact that he's been hired by the Warriors should actually rule him out of having anything to do um, at NRL headquarters, which is a good thing. That's a good point. Well, it did it, have to. He, he couldn't do that job, and he definitely couldn't be a player agent. No, but, geez, that would be amazing. I'd love to see him in a you – know, this is the one thing where I think Phil Gould would be fantastic. I'd love to see him in a bidding war with um, Isaac Moses. <laughs> Could you imagine the slander that Gould would dish out on Moses on, online, and it would be glorious. And I'd yeah. see that, you know what, if Gould went and did that, 
I'd give him a thumbs up. I'd apologise for everything I've ever said about him that was negative. <laughs> I, you know, the other thing is, too, if you decide Nathan Brown is the guy that's going to do the job as a coach, why do you need Phil Gould? Because yeah. if Brown is your head coach and he's the right guy for the job, what? why do you need another dude to do part of his job? Um, and now the thing about when the Panthers got Phil Gould, they got him in to do a lot of the back-end stuff at the club, and then he signed the coaches. He was in charge of signing the coaches. It wasn't like they said, let's sign Ivan Cleary and then bring Phil Gould in to do other shit. And it got, got to a point where Ivan Cleary's like, man, it's time for us to move forward. And Phil Gould even said it himself. It's, you know, Ivan's a coach. He doesn't need me anymore. I'm going. Why do you need to start this situation where you bring in Nathan Brown? And you're like, yeah, he's the guy for the job, but I don't think he can do the whole job. Maybe there's a fear that Nathan Brown might get tired. There's that possibility. I tell you what, Ivan Cleary looks refreshed. Yeah, I wonder how long before he starts getting tired. Ah, oh, I bet it won't be for a very long time, hey. I'll give him another eighteen months. <laughs> <laughs> okay, some of these quotes by. By Nathan Brown. Yeah, okay. hit me with him. Okay, so he asked if he felt he was now a better coach or a different coach after the lessons he learned at the Dragons and Knights. This is what he said. I've coached now for a long time. Doesn't matter if it's been in the NRL or England. The great thing is the more you coach, the more experience you get. Nothing beats experience. It's one thing to have knowledge, but it's another thing to have experience and know how to use it. I've learned lessons in football and in life with previous jobs. You're always learning. At St. Helens, I was fortunate enough to win a grand final. And at the and at 47 years of age, I've been fortunate enough to have a number of CEOs and owners that back me and support me. I feel I'm not even in my prime yet. Which is like, are you fucking serious, dude? You coach the, you coach the Dragons with a really good side that went on to win a premiership after you left under Wayne Bennett. And the one thing you're known for is slapping Trent Barrett, which, granted, I put that up there with a grand final victory. But still, not real good look. And then he goes to the to the Knights, and the one good thing you can say is, well, he was fucking good at losing games. And Adam O'Brien goes in there this year with basically the exact same roster. I can't think of any players he actually added to that roster that were any good. And look at where the Knights are now. Like, I don't know why he signed Nathan Brown. I think he's a terrible coach. Let's let's just look at that one statement about experience, shall we? Okay. Okay. There's been 38 NRL coaches since 1908 who have coached 185 games or more. Mm-hmm. Nathan Brown's one of them. Yep. Which out of all of those 38 coaches do you think has the lowest win percentage? Uh, for plus 180, 80 what games? 185 games plus. Okay, plus 100. I would say, oh man, I would have to put Matthew Elliott in there. Matthew um, Elliott won 45.7% of his games. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. He doesn't have the lowest. He doesn't even have the second lowest. Oh wow! Um, man, this is a difficult one. Mm. Neil Henry has the second lowest. Forty-three point five. I was just about to say Neil Henry because he he went to some teams that were struggling. Unfortunately, 
Uh, third last was Don yeah. Ferner at 44.5. That's surprising. Is it, it's not, is it Nathan Brown? It is Nathan Brown, 42.4%. No, no. And the thing about it, too, is it's it's not like the sample size is big, man. Like, he's what is it? He's done 244 first-grade games as a coach, something like that. Uh, 245, yeah. It's 245. That is a, that's a career. Like, mm. it's it's not like we're learning what Nathan Brown is as a coach. He's had a coaching career already. There's only and, 24 coaches that have played, that have been in the game before him that have coached more. Yeah. That's not many. Yeah. I like, but he hasn't hit his prime yet. <sighs> Holy shit, Matthew Elliott's a better coach. Yep, and he coached. He had coached more games too, so he had more opportunity to make his record worse. <laughs> yeah, he still was better, and that's just his NRL record. That's not including the stuff in England, which would have bumped it up higher. That's just his NRL record. Yeah. See the the thing, and you and me have talked about this Super League coaching. You you have to write that off, and it sucks, man. Because on some like if you. If you're a person that has been there on grand final day in Super League and you have held the trophy up and the confetti's rained down on you, that's an experience you have. But unfortunately, we have learned time and time again that you can be an absolutely atrocious coach and still have that moment. So you have to write that off. Although, can we just say that, and this goes against the narrative that we've been setting here, but if you've been able to coach St. Helens in the last 25 years mm-hmm. and win a trophy, yeah. that is something that needs to be noted given how often St. Helens has choked in those events. True, but like if we, if you go through and look at their premiership winner coaches at St. Helens... No, that, like, that, no, that, that's a fair point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they've had, some, they've had a few good coaches there as well. You know, Roy Simmons... Mick Potter. Mick Potter, absolute champion. He coached them. They didn't like Mick Potter, hey? They fucking hated Mick Potter. And they, I remember they, I I think it was Mick Potter, they hated him, and then they wanted Kieran Cunningham to come in as the coach, and Kieran Cunningham got the job. And he was so bad. (laughs) He was so bad as a coach that it, you know, when I, I've said before, you never sign a legend as your coach because it always ends in tears and you kind of, it, it hurts them. Yeah. It, it devastated the way that St. Helens fans looked at Kieran Cunningham. And it was kind of sad. Like, I wasn't Kieran Cunningham's biggest fan, but he was like atrocious. He was, he was like one of the worst coaches ever in the club's entire history. Yeah. It was, it was legacy destroying. It really was kind of impressive um (laughs) like you look at like brian noble was winning everything over there terrible coach uh mcdermott who's is a fucking atrocious coach he won heaps over there um what's the dude that's at uh st george now doing their recruitment um millwood he was a he was a world beater at st helens he won everything over there come over here and was one of the worst coaches, I think, tech, uh, if you go by the stats, one of the worst coaches in the history of NRL football, from memory. <laughs> well, look. Ian Millwood. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he only coached 14 games, but he won 14.3%. Yeah, see? Um, 
I've looked this shit up. <laughs> there's only a handful. Um, John O'Neill, 113.6. Ted Courtney, 12.5. Ken Gentle, the coach South in the 90s, is atrocious. He won 12.5. Nat Silcock, uh, 11.1 with Ken Slattery. Grant Bell, 9.1%. Bert Holcroft, 8.3%. And Eric Lewis had one win from 14 games at 7.1%. There's a handful what? of assistant coaches who only coached like 10 games or less and never won. I was going to say, uh, where is Steve Georgialis on that list? Because Steve Georgialis has taken over two atrocious situations at two clubs that were going absolutely nowhere and uh, maybe were at the worst position they've ever been in their history. He's at 33.3%. There you go. Just, he's equal with Danny Baderas, <laughs> Dean Pay. Yep. And he's just a tick behind Tommy Rodonicus. Wow, poor Tommy. He's he's, a, he's currently head of Justin Holbrook though. Yeah, but Justin, look, Justin Holbrook, I, the jury's out for me. He's got them. He's turning them around. He's uh, Justin Holbrook is uh, ahead of Garth Brennan. Yeah. I made a tweet today about Garth Brennan. What did you say? Well, I said Justin Holbrook today is showing why Matty John should never ever be listened to ever again. <laughs> yeah, because he's taken basically the same squad. Yeah, and already achieved better with them this year before the season's ended than what Garth Brennan did last year. And the year before. Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, like earlier this year, that Titans team, you watched them under under Holbrook and you were like, oh, my God, this is horrible. This is going to go. This is going to end really badly. And if he can salvage something out of it, it will be a minor miracle. Well, what we saw was he was trialling different ideas, different different structures, trialling different players. He wasn't afraid to mix players up, move them around, try them in different areas, give them a proper run at it for one or two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think he's starting to find um, a decent combination in the spine. Yeah. He's starting to get a few decent, um, you know, depth players for next year as well. He's definitely assembled a good pack for next year. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, so... That's 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 what's been the good thing about it. He is he hasn't been afraid to tr- to mix things up and and try different things, which is really it's really something that coaches like Anthony Seabold should have been trying to do. Yeah, but Seabold was to be fair to Seabold, I think he's finally settled on a really good combination of wingers for that Broncos team. I think he finally found the guys. Yeah. Yeah. There's. There has been a bit of news about Seabold, and that is he's had some sort of family emergency, and because of that, he had to breach the NRL biosecurity measures, and he's yeah. not going to be a coach for the next two weeks. I, I I don't know what happened. Nothing's come out that I've seen, and it, it's apparently an emergency with his family, so you've got to feel very sorry for him. I actually watched the press conference he was in um, the other night. It, it He didn't come across as somebody that had some emergency going on but it might have happened after that but um you you've got to wonder if the broncos by some miracle have two weeks where they kick on and play great footy whether seabold will actually come back um the other thing that happened was pangai jr is also into a 24 day isolation because he went to a the opening of a barber shop uh, <laughs> which <laughs> and then that barbershop was raided by the police because it was owned by uh, a bikey gang, apparently. Which the is the Mongols, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
um, genius. Yeah, it's man. That must be a nice barbershop. Can you imagine turning up to the opening of a barbershop? It'd want to be a bloody good barbershop. So it must have been anyway. The thing that got one... me about that was um, Pango Junior doesn't have much hair on his head, and I mean, why was he? Why, why would he go along there? Given the um, the penchant that players have at the moment for really bad mullets. See, I, he, here's why I think I, he might be one of those dudes that likes to keep keep themselves in check like that, you know? It's like when you go to manscaped.com, put in the code NRL, get 20% off. Some people like to keep everything in match-ready condition, and maybe he is the same with his the hair on his head. Would you want a biker to do that? Well, I, I, my understanding was they only owned it. Like, oh, okay. They, they weren't actually doing the hairdressing. I don't know. I don't know. But then, you know, the other thing that happened at the Broncos was that uh, Darius Boyd stepped down from the leadership group at the Broncos, and then 30 seconds later, everyone went, wait a minute, the Broncos have a leadership group? <laughs> Since when? So that was an interesting one, and it was funny seeing the media sort of, you know, arcing up about that and saying, oh, what does this mean? And it's like, it, it doesn't mean anything. Like, come back to me when you can make a tackle, Darius. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, he has looked better at fullback. And I think he's doing, I think he's playing better out of spite. You reckon? But you know what? If that's what, he, if that's what it takes to make him play better, then fuck it, let him go for it. Because yeah. he has looked better. Yeah, but he, man, it wouldn't be difficult, would it? <laughs> wouldn't be difficult, no. But he has, he, his touches in attack have looked more useful. Um,. He looks the the team looks a bit better balanced with him at fullback. The rest of the side is just a mess, though. Oh, Their halves they just lost. There's no direction. Um, there's no leadership anywhere. They're just playing stupid, dumb football. Um, and you get doesn't even matter if they're in the game with 20 minutes to go. You just know they're going to choke and lose it and throw it away. And that's what's been happening the last few weeks. Yeah, too many too many lazy plays as well in defence. Like their defence is just very very lazy. Um, you I, know, saw a, I saw a try that was scored against them on the weekend, and they yeah. ran. Someone ran straight through Matt Lodge like he was just in a like in a jar door. Yeah, how dare you? It's like they charged through him. It was like someone had knocked a door off its hinges. <laughs> Boom! That thing wasn't even latched. Oh no! Like man, but, uh, they've got Canberra this week. Canberra, Canberra might play themselves into form. Um, that's, that's down in Canberra. Oh God! Can you imagine how fucking cold it's going to be down there? You know, we had rain up at uh, Blackheath in Sydney, so it was raining and it was freezing fucking cold. Um, and I saw down in Canberra all of the. Uh, Poor cunts that have to live down there. They were jumping up and down because Lake George was starting to fill up. Because, you know, you live in Canberra, you've got to take your, you know, any win you can get. You start going, oh, fucking lake that's an hour up the road's filling up. Isn't it beautiful down here? Is you sit, in fr- sit on top of the heater to try and not get frostbite. So, um, yeah, it'll you be know, nice for them. I grew up near the mountains, okay? And I yeah. went to school a few times in the snow. But Canberra's the only place I've ever been to where as soon as the wind blows in wintertime, it, it blows ice cold to your bones. Canberra? I've, never, Sorry, I've, been, to, I've been to New Zealand. I've been to Christchurch in the middle of winter. Yep. And it's bloody cold there. Canberra, though, 
that wind is ice cold to your bone. It it, it chills you to your soul. Yeah. Scamper is the first place I saw snow on mountains, and I was like, that's not snow on mountains. I know it looks like it, but we live in fucking Australia. And it was snow on mountains. And then it was the first place I have... I saw snow when I was in England, when I, I went over to England when I was six, globetrotter, you know. And uh, I saw snow, but it so, sort of melted when it hit the ground. Uh, but I, when I was in Canberra, I went down there, and there's this little place that got a bit of snow, and I actually was walking on the snow, and it was crunching under my feet, and I was, like, just fascinated by it. So that's the most snow I've ever actually been around. Um, Canberra, don't go there. Yeah. Um, there's not much else going on, I guess. Wasn't there someone else who'd, who got... Oh, yeah, Paul Vaughan also has to miss two weeks because he went to a restaurant and used a fake name, which is brilliant. Yeah, he, he apparently... I heard that he went for a m- bit of a morning exercise, a bit of a morning jog, and then he uh, went for a coffee after that. Um, so yeah, and and Wayne Bennett, who set up the rules for the NRL bubble and then (laughs) broke them to have a meal with his missus and then his missus was blowing up at Ben Iken on Instagram, um, which is, I always love it when the, the wives and girlfriends jump on Instagram and start having a say, I I had to censor myself then. (laughs) That was fantastic because I'm actually made a tweet about that at the time and I said, you know, Wayne Bennett has uh, he's breached the COVID protocols. He was last spotted crossing the New South Wales Queensland border, and he was found camping in Anthony Seabold's mind. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> I actually put up a poll and said that uh, on on Twitter on my Twitter feed and said, "Do you want to hear from players' wives and girlfriends ranting on Instagram?" And I haven't looked at. I, would, I should look at what the results are so far. Yeah, check it out. I. I remember having um, Adam Blair's missus have a go at me a few years back after I called him out for being crap at, in one game. Oh, really? What'd she say? Oh, I can't remember. I didn't care at the time. Yeah, no one cares about her. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Andrew. Um, <laughs> I think it was the game where the, the, he was playing for the Warriors down here. It might have been last year. Yeah, and he he made like one hit up for the entire game. It was like the second hit up of the match. Yeah, and made four one hit up four meters, and that was it for the game. The rest was I, just doing defense. I, I remember <laughs> that. I remember that. All I did was point out the stats, going, "Yeah, well done, Adam." Um, and she had a go at me about something. I just went, whatever. I had I had I had a player's undisclosed uh, wife or girlfriend uh, from over in England get in touch with me about some of the financial situations that were going on at a club once, and I wrote about it on my website. Um, and I got got a lot of information that was given to me in that regard, which was interesting. Um, that's why I'm always, I've always got the back of them players that don't get paid. It's, like, disgusting oh, yeah. to me. Um, Mate, that, that almost sounds like journalism work. How fucking dare you call me? Uh, hey, you, you know... You got inside information, mate. You were an insider. No, 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 no. Yeah, you no, had no, an no, inside no. source. I just had, I had an information. You and me, you and me. we're not too different, you and me now. Fuck you, man. 
fuck you. Okay, this uh, I put up a poll and it said, do you want to hear from wives and girlfriends of NRL players and officials via Instagram rants? There's been 50 votes so far. There's still six days. Um, 82% said they need to be silent. <laughs> I love the way I put that. And 18% said I'd, I like to hear from them. So, yeah. Wow. Hmm. That, that number's way too high. The, the, yeah, that, way, way too high. I always feel like if you're a player and some, say you got suspended or something like that and you're like, oh, man, all this fucking media drama and stuff and I'm trying to keep my place in the team and all this sort of stuff and then you start feeling inquiries. Oh, I found out that your wife or girlfriend has said something on Instagram and she's called the coach a prick. What do you have to say about it? Wouldn't you just be like, oh, what are you doing? I'd just be saying, who cares? Would you? Yeah, she can call him whatever she wants. You would she's... say that. You would say that in the me- in the media. Yeah, I'd say she can call him whatever she wants. She's not hired by the club. I I would say in the media. I would say, my wonderful wife is the light of my life, and everything that she says, I agree with. Well, that's basically what I'm saying. She can say what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you're blinking like that guy that was caught by in the Korean War? Mm, mm, that's the one. Yeah, he's blinking uh, SOS and he was blinking torture in Morse um, <laughs> code. That's correct. Uh, in other news, it's completely unrelated to rugby league. Max Verstappen just won the uh, the Grand Prix in, in Silverstone. Nice, the 75th anniversary Grand Prix they were calling it. Yeah, the one last week that they had at Silverstone was not the 75th anniversary one. This one was. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, and it that it didn't confuse me at all when I I saw that this one was the seventy fifth one. So it's that because was because for some weird reason because I had two races at um at Austria this year. Yeah, yeah, back to back. For some reason, they've decided that they do not want to have the same name for for a uh, Grand Prix in a year. Yeah, so you can't have the Austrian Grand Prix twice over. So they had to give the other one a second one and some weird name instead. I say weird, I couldn't pronounce it, and I'm ignorant, so it was probably something rather important and useful, and I apologise to the people of Austria if I've upset them. Not that any of them are listening, but there you go. Listen, I've heard there's been points in history where some Austrians have upset the rest of the world, so you got to take one on the chin sometimes, Austria. We've got a um, we've got a fan by the name of Carsten Brummer, who we could probably ask to give Phyllis on those details <laughs> later on. No, we can't do that. <laughs> what could go wrong? Carson. Carson. Well, we can't do that. If you listen, Carson, mate, we love your work. Yeah, we, we've got to get him on again, hey? Yeah, talk about the French Rugby League. Um, yeah, not much else has been going on. What else is there going on? Have we got an email we can read out? Oh, we got a bunch of emails. Okay, let me let me fire up the... I'll, I'll read the emails that we got through com. Uh, we'll do those as soon as my web, the website wants to load up. I wouldn't say it's the website. It'd be your, your technology. The website's perfect. Oh, the, yeah. Well, obviously, the website is super quick. It's just this fucking computer won't load it up. Yeah, because let's be honest. I mean, people don't know this, but Freaky's computer was one of the first supercomputers ever built back in the 50s. <laughs> the 50s. Sometimes it loads like it, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, the website will not load for me. <laughs> Shit. 
Oh, here we go. Here we go. Ah, see? Well, I'm still not going to let you down. Yeah. Come on, FergoTheFreak.com. Come on. We count on you, bruh. <laughs> well, I can tell you that we've not had any more comments. Come on, people. You know what we need people to start doing is uh, letting their friends know that there's new episodes out there by retweeting and sharing posts when we put them out there. Um, I'm not going to say that people have slackened off in that area, but I'll... Yeah, I'm going to say, people have slackened off in that area, huh? Yeah, they have. They have yeah, slackened off. Super, super slackened off. So, yeah, anytime we put out an episode, just give it a retweet or something, because uh, we've, got to, we've got to boost them numbers, man. We, it's... Uh, the more the merrier, you know. I'm almost there. I'm, I'm, I've just yeah. pressed on the feedback button. I, I have done something that could very, very um, quickly take yeah. this episode from being an hour and a half long to possibly three and a half hours long. Okay. Because I've just um, I've just tuned into the Wakefield versus Wigan Super League game. Oh, really? Have you got it on? Yeah. Okay. Wigan's up 6-2 after 20 minutes. <laughs> Remember I was telling you about a player mm-hmm. that I got information about? Yeah. yeah. He was just on the screen. Ah, right. <laughs> he looks, okay, like, he's, he looks we, like he's been having a good feed over the Don't say who No, no. Okay. We've it got looks some. like the, uh, I was going to say too, the English players haven't been spared from the horrible haircuts either. David Fafita was just on the screen. Yep. And, uh, man... Someone's someone's gone at his his hair with a friggin' lawnmower. Oh wow, yeah, that's a that's one sweet mullet. <laughs> anyway, you got an email. Why Let's are Wigan it. wearing yellow? Why are um, Wigan dressed like Warrington? Or Leeds. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, what the fuck? Okay, let's go back to our emails. Okay. That, now I'm just gonna read them just out as we get them. Um this one is from Nui Ash. And he says, Could you have seen an NRL could you ever see the NRL using the Super League like a feeder competition? I'm imagining something like what has started to happen in the NBA, where a few teams have been sending hot young prospects out there to play in the NBL against men rather than play college ball against boys to get experience and hardness. And men, is this sounding sexy? Yeah, there's a little. <laughs> it's like why the, they send the hot boys down there to get some hardness and experience um young players could get compensated uh could get compensated well playing super league alleviate some of the financial strain nrl clubs having keeping youth talent and get battle hardened before coming back to playing the nrl cheers what do you reckon about that one it's not a bad idea i think the only problem i've got with this is who pays for them because i wouldn't want the these players going over to england and being on the nrl books because it just it, it limits what an NRL club can do player wise and talent wise. Yeah. And as much as we like to uh, be, oh, that bloke thinks he's a dickhead. Um, as much as we like to, you know, deride the current state of the English game, mm-hmm. and that's not without justification. Yeah. Um, I think what the English game needs is English players playing it. I think if you take a whole heap of Aussies over there and make it more Australian than what it currently is, mm-hmm. then there's no point having the English Rugby League. And we we do need England to have a strong Rugby League competition full of English players. If we're going to get the European countries up and get the game growing globally, 
And that's just a, a fact. And putting a bunch of Aussies over there and having it as a secondary Aussie competition, because that's what that would become if we did that, yeah. would, would deny England from having any genuine talent come through. Yeah, I, I think that um, you also get a situation where, like, say, and I look it up from the Panthers' situation where they've got a bunch of good five-eighths. They've got Burton, they've got Laurie, who who um, played on the weekend. And you've got someone like uh, uh, Aikens at fullback. Um, you know, what do you want from getting that experience? Are you bringing them, are you giving them that experience with the idea of bringing them back and they will start in your first grade team? Because that's what it would have to be. Otherwise you're really just giving them experience for somebody else to, to get them for, you know? That's right. And that's the thing. I don't think it's a bad idea, but I think it'd have to be really, it'd have to have some very strict rules in place. And I could only see a couple of teams. Like, I think it might be a good idea for the Roosters to set up something like that because then they could put players, you know, that they maybe have an eye on because the Roosters don't have a junior comp, you know. Um, I think think the the Panthers probably have excess players they could do that with, but not too many clubs could do it, I don't think. I think the way it would work best is is just every NRL club is affiliated with a Super League club. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's more NRL clubs than Super League ones, so you know maybe some some expansion clubs like Toulouse and Toronto and the likes that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we don't know what's going on with Toronto, New York, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they could be affiliated with NRL clubs as well, and that that might be an option there. But yeah, I don't know. I I want to see. To be honest, I I want to see the game strong everywhere, and and in order for that to happen, England needs to be producing top quality talent. And they need to be staying in England. Yeah, and I think that if the NRL was going to look at something like that it, um, and they decided they weren't going to use the Australian lower-grade competitions, I think it might be a better idea for them to look at, at a different sort of competition. And so, for instance, say the, the Wolfpack, uh, Wolfpack, Catalan Dragons, Toulouse, you know, if they, a bunch of those clubs decided they wanted to go at themselves and maybe added a few extra, like New York, Ottawa, teams like that, I think it would be better off for NRL clubs to get involved in a situation like that where you're not so much worrying about um, diluting the talent in a in a nation's competition like England. Agreed. Okay, Ash has sent us another one. He says, hey, boys, as a kid I grew up around the corner from John Sattler's sister and knew the family quite well through, uh, though owing to my young age... I didn't appreciate the gravity of John's celebrity or contribution to rugby league at the time. I'd love to hear a history episode on Sattler. Apologies if you've already done one. I'm still working my way through the back catalogue of history episodes, which isn't easy given the brutally unrelenting pace with which this podcast is unleashed. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I love the idea that we're just bludgeoning people with podcasts. I love it. Um, no, we haven't done an episode on John Sattler. That's something we can look at in the future. I will give you one story about John Sattler. Yeah. Very quick one. Um, a lady uh, fell onto a train track one day in Sydney, and he jumped down when he was at the station and got off the train track as the train was approaching and saved a life. Wow. I didn't know that. There you go. I got a story about John Sattler. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing in a grand final one day, and he broke his jaw, played for 75 minutes with it. Hey. Yeah. Have you heard about that one? Yeah, I've heard about that one. Okay. Um, we've got a, a 
an email here from Ben from Simpsons NRL memes. We both follow. Oh him, yeah, I think. he's a legend. He's very funny, actually. I was looking at some of his memes he's putting out today. Um, hey lads, love the podcast and keep up the great work. As someone who grew up in Tamworth, I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with your views on the place. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus may Jesus may have turned water into wine, but I've seen plenty of people turn Bundy rum into a conviction. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh shit. That's bloody great. Anyway anyway, my question is about what ways do you think International Rugby League and NRL could increase the brand awareness of rugby league internationally. Here are some of my ideas I've had. Setting up international pathways programs similar to that used by Valentine Homes with the NFL. Engaging with prominent YouTubers. Podcasters to create rugby league themed content. Creating highlights packages for distribution on network, uh, Netflix and other, in other countries. Have NRL teams partner with and act as mentors for teams in emerging nations. Providing trading programs access to player analysis tools, social media resources, utilising Russell Crowe in discussing rugby league in, on American television, which he's, he's actually done quite a lot, um, creating introduction to rugby league visual media that could be mass dis- distributed across schools in targeted countries, partnering with international tourism providers to sell tickets to NRL games as part of Australian holidays. That's a really good idea. Um, focusing on engagement with tertiary education providers to target international students studying in Australia to join rugby league social groups and local sports, e.g. touch football. Um, that's a really good That's a really good idea. I really like that. I think they're all brilliant. I'll tell you yeah. one thing I think I'd like, to do, I'd like to see happen is something that the NFL has done. And they, they, they take one or two games every year over to London, I believe. And they've yeah. been doing it for a while now. And it's starting to build the profile of the game over there. And it's something that... The NRL should be doing in England. Oh, sorry, in um, in the US. Yeah, and I, don't don't go to outposts. Go to places where there's huge population. Make it bloody New York if you have to, or LA, and get the game over there and make it an annual thing and make it a game that is that matters. Don't make it a, an exhibition or a trial or something like that. Make it an actual premiership game that matters, or make you know make it an origin game if you have to. I don't care. Take something over there that matters, so that people actually you know the players are actually going over there, playing for a win, and teams are going over there with a full strength side. Mm-hmm. You know the the way one of the things I would do if I was the NRL, I'd look at somewhere like Austin, where they don't have an NFL team. Um, you know, it's a it's a all right size city. And I think you could put on an event and it not be lost in the the crowd noise because of major major sporting competitions. Um, but I liked all of his ideas. I I like the idea of having like a a um, almost like a talent scouting camp, like he said with the NFL, where they've got it for international players. I I'm I'm surprised that rugby league hasn't done that before. Um, I think it'd mostly get rugby union players. But I think it would unearth some talent. And I, you know, the countries that I think would uh, we would get a lot of talent from are African countries, actually, where I think you'd get players that, that, you know, instead of going through rugby union channels, they'd see it as an opportunity to get involved in a sport in Australia 
and uh, I think that we'd get a lot of talent from from African countries from in that regard. I don't know that you'd get many NFL players and stuff like that because it's hard to pick up the game uh, when you physically have to change so much and you have to learn it from scratch. But I, I think that, that that is a really good idea and I'm surprised that it hasn't been done before. Yeah. Um, uh, so I see another out-of-the-box idea, and I may have put this on the episode before, yep. um, is they should link with the WWE. We've got a few a few former players that are now in the WWE, and they seem to be looking more at rugby league players now because they're used to the heavy heavy clashes. Yeah. And their bodies are already hardened to those sort of impacts. Yeah. And a lot of these players are in their, you know, early 20s or, you know, late 20s, early 30s. And a lot of pro wrestlers these days are already in their 30s when they're in their prime. So these guys have already got their body hardened for it, and they can just come in and just go, you know, they just got to learn a few of the the, uh, the basics, and then they start doing the other gear, and next thing you know, they can be bloody superstars over there. It could be a good way to get profile for the sport as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, if you even if, like, once a year you just, you know, send one of the teams over to sit in the audience to go and see Daniel Vito. Is Daniel Vito one of their... Like, is he on the top shows? Yeah. And is he? There's, there's a former English rugby league player as well who's over there. Oh, I can't remember his name. William Regal? No, 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 no. I just um, see all the English players as William Regal. <laughs> no, there's another one. I can't remember his name, but there's another former Super League player. He only retired a few years ago. Seamus? I, I, <laughs> no. Uh, Scotland doesn't have any rugby league players. What do you want to pass? He's, are you scared? Seamus is Irish. How dare you? Oh, they're all the same. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> How dare you? I've never well, seen all, a Scotsman. They're all from the United Kingdom. What are you on about? 15 grand and fuck off when you paid them. They're all from the United Kingdom. Yeah, that's true. But the Welsh <laughs> are very unique. Um, no, I can't remember his name, but they've, they've got two rugby league players over there, and I believe they had... Um, oh, who was that former massive bloke played for Huddersfield? Oh, Crabtree. Yeah, his old man used to be a pro wrestler. Yeah. Big daddy something. I don't know. He's a huge boy. Um, they've had Earl Crabtree involved with some of the WWE recruitment in the UK too, I believe, for a while back. So they've got they've got a, a reasonably well-established link between the, the two industries, I'll yeah. put it that way. So I, I think they should definitely expand on that more and, and really get into it. What if we had, like, some sort of double event where, like, you had an NRL game and then after that they wheeled out, like, a, a, a one of the wrestling rings? Yeah. How's, it, how's about this for an idea? Okay. Okay. You go over to the UK and you have, like, um, let's say a test match between Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. In the rugby league, okay. In the UK. Sorry, in the US. And then after the uh, after the test match is over, yeah, you automatically have a ticket to like WrestleMania. Oh yeah. Having some big outdoor arena thing so you can do it. Yep. And just have some big music event thing going on after the game so they can set up the the ring or sort of stuff. Yeah. Give them an hour to do that. Yeah. Imagine that. You have this big Australia against Australia versus New Zealand in this big test match. And then you have, say... Alanis Morissette. I was going to say, let's be modest and just say, get Metallica on for an hour. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Who's paying and for then, this? 
And then WrestleMania, Vince McMahon will pay for it. He's got the coin. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. What is it? You know, Vince McMahon should pay us as just ideas, man. Like we basically sit there and we give him ideas of how to make money. Yeah. What could go wrong? We know what we're doing. And I'll tell you what, the only the only down, downside I put in there is yeah. Daniel Vito must play for one of the two teams in that test match. <laughs> and then he backs up and plays in the <laughs> He performs at WrestleMania as well. Yeah, that, that would be actually... Can you imagine you, you play an exhibition game, even if it was a club game, and Daniel Vito plays, and then he basically, he, he basically walks with his gear on, tears it off, and just walk straight to the ring. That would actually be really impressive. Like oh, I yeah. think, it, I think even wrestling fans would get off on that one. Yeah, and then you can once you got it established, you could then just have a rugby league game between just pro wrestlers. Maybe we should make a pro wrestling rugby league team. Like uh, obviously, um, Triple H would be the hooker. That is not a bad idea. Uh, well, I was thinking you could probably make him a halfback. Yeah, I'd uh, I'd have Undertaker and Kane in the second row. Who would be your front rowers then? Uh, what about uh, Mark Viscera? Henry? <laughs> Who? I have, have Big Show and Mark Henry in the front row. Oh yeah, yeah. Viscera was this bloke who's about four hundred pounds. Oh, is he the giant? And he used to wear like this black sort of uh, like uh, Lorna Jane sort of thing. <laughs> I think so. And and he had white eyes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Actually, the hooker should be Val Venus. Yeah. <laughs> what about, what, about uh, what was his name? Gold something. Goldberg. Gold. Gold. No, not Goldberg. Uh, oh, what was his name? He, he could be Locke anyway. Yeah. He, he used to dress up in gold paint. Oh, gold dust. Gold dust. He could be the hooker. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy, oh, boy. This is a brilliant idea. Yeah. The, uh, I want to watch this match. Absolutely. Who else have we got? Who who would be a 5'8"? Uh, I don't know. you got to put Stone Cold Steve Austin in there, I think. Yeah, and he's, he's going to be less injury prone than Kieran Foran. <laughs> That's true. Have Kurt Angle and The Rock in the centres. Yeah, I like that. Who are your wingers? Oh, you're going to need some fast guys there. Some, some of the lighter fellas. Ray Mysterio Jr.? There you go. And Jeff Hardy. Yeah, okay, yep, yep, I like that. And have we got a fullback yet? We haven't got a fullback. Who do you have a fullback? Um, ooh, who would be fullback? Bret Hart. The hit, Bret, the hitman Hart. Isn't he about 70? Yeah, but we're looking at these guys when they're in their prime. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. What about, uh, what about Randy Savage? <laughs> I'd put him as the impact player off the bench. Bring him on after after half an hour and he can just rip through people. I tell you what, I I don't want to tell people how many times in a year I wake up and just decide to talk like Randy Savage to myself because <laughs> I'm making a coffee, you know. Why not? Why you gotta you gotta work up to it though. You gotta like you you gotta work up and I reckon about two or three minutes in, then you've got it. Then you're in the zone. There you go. Tell you what, if people want to add to this team, 
maybe maybe supply a team of current wrestlers. Yeah, current wrestlers because otherwise our all star team. You'd have to like because then you'd have Hulk Hogan in there and like uh, Andre the Giant. You know, we don't want to go back too far. No, no, no. No, it's got to be blokes who, are, who can still walk. Yeah, and that aren't dead. <laughs> so basically, that's cut, that's cut limited, a bit. you're limiting yourself to everyone under 40 that's wrestles. <laughs> Pretty much. And those who've got a podcast in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, we got another one. We got an yep. email here from Kuji, who's uh, actually one of my Patreons. He's one, one of my big Patreon supporters. He says, Hi, fellas. I mentioned to Freaky in a previous email that I'm a returning fan after many years away from the game. One thing that has puzzled me is that the position numbering for the forwards is different from when I played as a kid. At the time, it was in reverse order, as in lock 8, second rowers yes. 9, 10, prop 11 and 13, and hooker 12. From the little I have been able to find on the topic, it seems that my recollections are a bit at odds with the with the usual because it was only a really short time in the game that the numbers changed. Maybe it was only in Queensland too. Is that right? I'd love to hear you guys chat a bit about this sometime. Love the show. Keep on keeping on and keep on manscaping as well, please. <laughs> Kuji Timms. So thank you for that one, Kuji. I believe the numbers changed in the number changed in 1989 or Oh, I I'm trying to think. I, I feel like it, I would have said it was a couple of years before that, actually. But I, you know, you're the historian. You'd you'd know better than me. I got a feeling it was around there. It wasn't. It was. It was definitely very late eighties. Yeah, because because and it was the international numbering that that did we go to or we went we went away from. I think. Like did the no rest we of we the went we went away from it. So everyone else had to yeah. follow our suit. Follow our lead. Yeah. I think it was around there somewhere. They were still, even a few years ago, they were naming the New South Wales teams and they had their current numbering, but then they would get to the forward pack and list it backwards, which, quite honestly, is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was to try and step away from the numbering being too similar to Rugby Union. All right. I'm not sure of the reason behind it. I've not, to be honest, I've been curious but never bothered to look into it. Yeah. Because um, it just seemed like something that wasn't going to be that much of a talking point. Little yeah, did but, I know that we'd get asked that on the podcast. But there you go. I know it's it's uh I because you see like some of the games like um Paul Vorton and he would wear the a number nine jersey, I believe it would be, and it was like, why is he wearing the number nine jersey? He's not old hooker. Yeah, well, you'd see Roy Simmons wearing 12. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, in the early days, like in the uh, 1920s, and again, sometimes in the 40s, teams would only name one centre, and they'd have two five eights. Oh, really? Yeah, that was that, that's fun to record. Do you... Do you? Yeah, I bet that's that's fucking terrible for your website. Um, do you remember in our lifetime? Because we're both in our late twenties. Uh, people talking about who should be selected as the inside and outside centres for like Origin and stuff like that. Never used to get called that. I see. I've heard people talk about that in my lifetime. I was in in my memory. There's always left and right. Yeah. I don't understand why they would have been talking about it like that. 
And how can you call him inside and outside? That only applies if you're, I assume, right-handed. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, even when I would hear it, it would be like, what is this person talking about? But they would talk yeah. about that. It's really weird. Um, another email. This is going back to July 27th. We missed a few emails. That's, it's good to know we're keeping on top of these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Nui Ash, once again, gave us this one. He said the Brisbane Turnstile's biggest problem is clearly their non-existent defence. What can Paul Green do to fix this when he takes over as coach next season? <laughs> is there an issue with the defensive coaching staff? The biggest problem with the Broncos' defence, as I see it, is they do not communicate. So it's just a bunch of blokes doing what they think is the right thing. Mm-hmm. They're not working as a team. So you'll see more often than not in the Broncos' defence, especially late in games and on the edges of the ruck, just one random player will just charge up to try and shut down the play, and no one goes with him. And if he doesn't make that tackle, bang, there's a gap, trial gets scored. Yeah. And more often than not, that's what's been happening. Um, there's no communication. That's the biggest and, factor. And it seems to be something that Seabold has had through the entire thing, where there's like no real direction on, on what lineup he wants, no real direction on... You know, are we going with younger players or are we going with older players? No real direction. I, like, look at Anthony Milford. He's been moved around all over the place and now dropped. Um, he's played around with so many parts of this team, and it's like, what are we doing defensively here while all of this is going on? You know, what is our style of defense? How are we working as a team and one unit? And, you know, it, it's it's kind of all comes back to, I think, the overall message that the team is getting is, it feels like they're not getting messages. It's just, you know, it's like uh, they're just doing, you know, what they're doing week by week. There's no real big plan in place. Yep, that's pretty much it. They're just going through the motions. Here's another one by Nui Ash. Um, I don't know if we answered this one before, but he says, what genuine role do you think Mr. Philip Ronald Gould played in getting the Panthers into the position they currently find themselves in? Despite the volumes of sanctimonious, vapid drivel that spilled from his mouth, it seems to me that some of the things he bangs on about in terms of the Panthers' use development and pathways are coming to fruition and playing big, paying big dividends. We kind of talked about that earlier, didn't we? Yeah, I think we may have answered that one before. Yeah. Uh, another one by Nui Ash. One of the illustrious knuckleheads on Fox Sports recently suggested that the Titans should look to spend big money on securing a decent hooker as their top priority. What happened to Nathan Peets and Mitch Ray? Have they both fallen off the radar due to poor form or succumbed to long-term injuries? I think Peets is still a bloody good nine. I'd, I'd take him at the Tigers any day of the week. Yeah, and I think Rain is too. Rain's, Rain's not bad. Yeah, I think they're both pretty good. I, I think that they this year they, they've been trying to see which one is the one they're going to go with. Um, but yeah, I, I like both players. I'd also like to ask, how many genuine nines are there in the game at the moment? Especially ones that are available. Yeah, it's... Uh, There's not a lot out there. Yeah, well, the Cowboys are struggling right now with one. Uh, the Broncos had to get an old one. The Knights, I mean, the Knights have gone through all the... <laughs> the Knights have gone through a dozen of them, poor buggers. Yeah. I was going to make a joke there, self-censor myself. Yeah, um, you have to, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, most clubs have got tokenistic nines, I guess, or manufactured ones that they've had to relocate. I mean, even 
even the Dragons have moved their genuine nine to lock and had their halfback who they signed for a million dollars a year to, to hooker. So I, I don't know what's going on with the development of nines. We had a, a period several years back where there was a shortage of halfbacks in the game. Now we just seem to have, in my opinion, a shortage of number nines in the game. You know, you got a visitor. Mm-hmm. you got a visitor. Do I? Oh, no, I thought you had a visitor. No, no, no. Um, okay, so we've got some actual emails here. Here's one from Richard. Oh, Lambretta, who uh, he's going back through our back catalogue at the moment. Um, he's, I think he, I can't remember what he's up to. He's in the 100, so 100. So we're 100 and something. Anyway, he says, NRL shit ideas. Tailgate parties are one of the dumbest ideas I've ever heard of. The reason Americans have them is because their stadiums are built in cultural wastelands. Yeah, it's called America. On industrial estates in butt-fuck U.S. nowhere. <laughs> you see the sentence? I should have read, I should have read this point. Butt-fuck. Uh, in Australia, we have things called pubs. If you go to the footy, before you get there, you can go to the pub and get as tanked as you like. If you want food, go to the fucking pub bistro. Sheesh. Good work calling out this writer for the moron they are. P.S. Sorry for the late response. I'm trying to catch up. Oh, and his name is Lam Bretta. Yes, he's a legend. Yeah, yeah. Gets in um, touch. That's a lot. Yeah, every now and then he gets in touch and says, you know, I'm up to episode like 100 and something like that. And I go, oh, let's put out two more, three more. Just keep him behind the eight ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, here's one. He actually sent an attachment with it. I'll see if it'll load up on this. Yeah, it's not loading up. Oh, God damn it. Didn't want to do that. Anyway, he said, hi, guys. Just wanted to let you know about lovely Abby. I went to I went to in Kirkstall, which is in Leeds. I sent you a photo so you can see how lovely it is. I think they are still building it by the look of things. They might get it finished soon, although COVID may have slowed them. There is a lovely pub nearby called Kirkstall Bridge Hotel had a wonderful burger there, but I think they forgot the gravy. Keep up the fabulous work. Great podcast, six out of five stars. I, I did get to see this picture actually, but it's not loading at the moment on my. Uh, I, yeah, my, any place that serves anything that even resembles food in the UK forgets the gravy. Yeah, it's like there's that's, the, there's, that's the first thing they cook. <laughs> It's one of the three food groups. It's like gravy, curry, and fish, or, or, or battered. Yeah, batter. Okay. It's gravy, gravy, curry, and batter. And then everything else is just an addition to that. Okay, here's, uh, here's one. Uh, okay, that's not one. Patrick. Patrick sent us another massive email. Um, uh, I wanted to pick up on the... Oh, I wanted to pick up on Andrew Ferguson's answer to the Ask Kenty question that was about relocating the Sharks to the Gold Coast. I often hear rugby league people say we've done relocation and it doesn't work. The fact is we have never done relocation and by evidence looking at other sports here in Australia and around the world, it does work. Mergers don't work unless they completely create a new brand identity and administration. Excuse me, not 
half-split administration with half-split boards, West Tigers and Dragons, case in point. Also, Andrew Ferguson, he's into you in this one, eh? Also, Andrew Ferguson mentioned if Sharks were relocated to the Gold Coast, the Sharks and Rugby League would lose all their supporters from the Cronulla area. Again, this is wrong. Although some people from the Cronulla area will be pissed and leave the Sharks and Rugby League, I would comfortably say at least 50% would still support the Sharks. I think people look at North Sydney Bears and how we lost a large proportion of Bears and Rugby League supporters from the area, but that is because the team was kicked out and banished with no NRL representation. Supporters would rather have their team at least represented in the NRL, be it relocated to another area than not represented at all. That's why I'm such a big believer in relocating North Sydney Bears to the Gold Coast and merging with the Burley Bears. Overtake a soulless going nowhere Titans brand, creating a club Gold Coast locals have a strong historical connection with while bringing back North Sydney Bears fans. We lost to the game. It's a win-win. Um, oh, he's got one for me. I agree with League Freak. Sharks to Perth is a strong viable option. If the Cronulla areas continue to be served well with community rugby league clubs, maybe a reserve grade team, the area will continue to have a strong hold for the game. Um, okay, so he thinks that Perth is a goer, um, and he says relocation works, and he says there's no doubt relocation works and is far better option than suits creating new soulless identities such as Titans, Bombers, Crushers, Chargers, Giants, case in point, cheers, PK. Yeah, you've got to create teams if you're going to expand the game, and I I think it would be better served if Perth had their own team of their with their own locals in it than if they got some adopted team from Sydney who they don't give a shit about. Yeah, I I think the the I think the Bears thing is gone. I think that it's just done. Well, that's you the is, the reason why the, we lost all the Bears fans is they merged them with a team that they they literally hated. And that yeah. was Manly. Yeah. And then the writing was on the wall. Like, they could see from a mile away that Manly was going to control that team and they had every intention of getting rid of him, and then they did. Yeah. So that's why Norse fans all pissed off, and that's why they never come back to the game, and they, you can understand why. Um, I think if Cronulla had emerged with St. George, which is what St. George wanted, which we discussed in one of the uh, 90s episodes. Mm-hmm that would have had a similar impact. Yeah. If that had been Cronulla out of merger with St. George, that had been known as the St. George or the, you know, St. George Sutherland Dragons or something like that. Yeah. There would have been no one in Cronulla supporting that team. And, and it's because it's merged with a team who they hate. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that made Balmain and, and Wes work, and I say work because it hasn't folded mm-hmm. somehow is the fact that they didn't actually have a, a history where they hated one another. Yeah. You know, West were never really, for the majority of their history, and sorry, if this, sorry to Magpies fans if you don't like it, but, you know, you only won four premierships in 90 years. They were never a successful team. Mm-hmm. Aside from a period in the 30s and then a period in the 60s, that was pretty much it, and a hiccup in the 70s where they made, a, you know, made the finals. Mm-hmm. That was it. The rest of it, they were they were also Rands or they were wooden spooners. Um, Balmain, sure, they went immensely better, but they were generally even more competitive. I mean, even in the 90s, they, they, they won the wooden spoon in 94, but even in the few years after that, they usually finished 
you know, kind of like the West Tigers now, close to the finals. Yeah. And that was for the team that had no stars in it other than Tim Brasher, really. Yeah. Um, and so they, they knew success a little bit better. Um, but they never really had rivalries where they, they played against one another and had, you know, violent matches or any sort of long history. Bowman's history was against South, really. Mm-hmm. West was the more recent one against Manly. That was pretty much it. So that kind of worked a little bit easier. Uh, St. George and Illawarra, similar thing. Illawarra had only been around since the late early 80s. Um, and they didn't have a, any sort of real rivalry with any team. So when, you, when you've got something like that where two teams don't actually really hate one another, it makes it easier for, for a merger to you know, work as, as much as one can imagine a merger to work. But... I don't know. I just don't think that that moving moving teams is going to make them any stronger or give or bring in any new fans. If if you move Cronulla over to Penrith and you pick up, say for you know, argument's sake, ten thousand fans in Perth, but you lose ten thousand fans in Cronulla, what's the point? And that's a very likely situation. If you lose fifty percent of the shark supporters and you gain the same number of supporters over in Perth because it's a brand new market, you haven't achieved anything. So what's the point? But what if what if the counter argument to that is you move the Sharks to Perth tomorrow, right? And say you let's be let's say that you get only eight thousand fans in Perth for the Sharks. Wouldn't the point be that you can say, well, that's eight thousand is your starting point, and you've got way more room to grow than the Cronulla Sharks have been able to grow since nineteen sixty seven. Whereas well, no, because your market, starting your starting point isn't eight thousand. Yeah, eight thousand is what you got in Perth, but you got your starting point's got to also subtract the fans that you've lost in Cronulla. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is, say you you your net loss is two thousand fans immediately, but then wouldn't you be able to make a real good argument that the Perth team now has an ability to grow from eight thousand to being more than Cronulla would ever be able to grow, just being based in Cronulla? Possibly. I think, though, and it's something that um, we may have mentioned before, is the one thing that we should be doing is having lower grades set up there so that there's that genuine trend into first grade. Because if you're just moving Cronulla over there do and Cronulla has a reserve grade team, do their reserve grade players then have to travel over to Perth to play in the first grade team? Or is Perth going to have their own local reserve grade team who, yeah. when they get to first grade, they're playing for some other team? See, the... That like I know that West Australia has a it actually has a pretty long history of being able to have it has its own comp and it it's produced NRL talent on its own back. But mm-hmm. the the question about how you handle a reserve grade competition because the travel costs are going to be the exact same for a reserve grade team as they're going to be for the first grade team. Um, so it's a whack. And how do you? deal with that do you do something along the lines of what the melbourne storm do where their faded club is in the new south wales uh sorry in the queensland cup competition i think that's maybe the way to do it yeah i think this cost thing is is a distraction yeah let's take this for an for an argument okay um the a league has teams in pretty much every state of australia really how much money do you think the NRL is making more than the A-League every year? Yeah. If the A-League can do it on a, on a much lower income, then why can't the NRL do it? Well, even the Super Netball does it, don't they? Exactly. AFL does it. 
Um, and whether you like AFL or not, their budget and their income is similar to the NRLs. And they've yeah. got two teams in Perth, two teams in Adelaide, you know, two teams in Queensland. Uh, they've got two teams in Sydney, a heap in Victoria. Their, their structure is similar as far as, you know, their main state, Melbourne, has similar number of teams as what Sydney has. Mm. They've got two teams in around Brisbane, you know, Brisbane Gold Coast. You know, they're doing the long travel over to Perth, which is the same as NRL teams going over to New Zealand, essentially, or Townsville. Yeah. yeah. So... There's a likeness there. The income for both of them is going to be kind of similar, and they can do it. And they're doing it with lower-grade competitions as well. Um, I can't see why the NRL can't do it. That's why I think this this argument about cost, which uh, the NRL constantly comes up with, mm. is more often than not a furphy. I don't mm. think cost is an issue. That's just something they throw up to justify not going ahead with it. Yeah, and I, look, I think as long as uh, Peter Volandis is in charge, we like he just basically spiked all the good work that the NRL had done over many years to get Perth ready, um, you know, take an origin there and everything, and he comes in and starts to change the rules and is like, oh, yeah, we're not going to have a Perth team. I don't like that idea. Fucking ridiculous. Well, we also saw this week that the NRL's about to scrap the nines as well. Yeah, I, look, I I understand that because I there's gonna there was always going to be an issue about how we had an off season um, because the clubs need the, need an off season um, to do a, a number of things. So I wasn't shocked by that. And look, the last year's nines and, and I well we talked about it not yeah. that long ago. Like who who fucking knows who won it? Know. Who cares? You but know, all the talk is that they're going to can it for good. It's not just for next year; it's for good. I've got no problem with that. I would rather them say, let's get rid of the NRL nines in the format that it was where it was only NRL teams. I would rather there be the uh, world nines every two years or something instead. It would, but uh, I think the the thing for me is it's almost like they're trying to do everything they can to eliminate their links with Western Australia. Yeah, it does. It feels that way, doesn't it? And that's I think that's the, what's going on there. And that, I think, is stupid. Yeah, and it's basically, it's all the dinosaur thinking. And, yeah. you know, the, the dinosaurs have got their hands on the steering wheel at the moment, unfortunately, and, you know. Let's, let's look after our own kind. Don't worry about anyone else. Yeah. It's very Great, insular. Greatest game in the world. They're going to go to Perth. They yeah. watch it. Yeah. So is that it for the emails, or is there a bit more? Yeah, that's all the emails. That's all of them. Uh, we got through them. That we've been needing to do that for three weeks nearly. And uh, yeah, we've talked about the footy. We've uh, it's been a good long episode. It's it's enjoyable. You know what? I mean, you should do some more rugby league podcasts. It's <laughs> not a bad idea. Yeah, would you be yeah. up for that? Yeah, I'm up for that. Nice. Pump. A, we'll try and pump out a heap this week. Yeah, I've I've actually. Uh, I think Nadine is going to come back on to do the the uh, round preview because we were talking during, well, we were direct messaging during the Panthers game. We basically made a pact that it's our duty to keep doing these review uh, previews because a lot of the things she said in the game were she nailed it. That's brilliant. Yeah. I'm just watching the um, the Wigan Wakefield game here, and the second round has just been knocked out by a fullback. Yeah, he's uh. 
He looks like he's all right. They're checking him. They're doing all the yeah, checks on his neck. he's just having a nap. Um, Wigan's leading 16-6. They've just come out after halftime. It's been a pretty dire game, if we're honest. Yeah, I I honestly haven't been any paying any attention to what's happening in no. Super League. I just I don't really care. Is that bad to say? There's George Burgess. Oh, look at him. Um, I could tell, and it wasn't because I looked at his name in his back of his jumper. <laughs> what were you looking at? His knees. Oh, he's all strapped up, is he? No, 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 no. Oh, I just read. <laughs> I got it. I got that. All right. I got that. Wow, look at Adrian Lamb's beard. I like it. Yeah, it's very, um, very distinguished. Yeah, it's striking. He's very gentlemanly and salt and pepper beard. I feel he's... like I, I want him to uh, pass on wisdom to me. I don't know. I, mean, I, I feel like I want him to run his fingers through my hair and tell me everything's going to be okay. Oh, <laughs> very, very intense, very quickly. Yeah. Andrew Fafita doing, looking like Arthur Beetson out there. David, even. Oh, yeah. Sorry, David. Oh, is he going to be trying the corner? No. That was a very good try by, um, by Bevan French, actually, in the first half. Oh, was there? Yeah. Dive he over should the be corner. over here. He'd be, can you imagine if uh, Gold Coast had him on one side of the field and uh, Kelly or on the, the other? Or the West Tigers. Put him at fullback. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of Dewey, hey? I, I don't mind him. I think he's okay. What he what he may lack up for in skill, he, he makes up for in bloody heart. And so I can't I can't hunt on a, hate on a player who's given everything he's bloody got every week. I just don't know what position you're playing. Yeah, I uh, oh he's hurt. He's grabbing his wrist. Um, Tom Johnson. We're we're really quickly descending into let's just watch a game of footy. Hey. Well, there's only thirty minutes left in this. <laughs> 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 it's uh. <laughs> it's, yep, I, I think like, that um, when G- George Burgess grabs someone by the leg, he's sitting there thinking, <laughs> I they don't this, grab reminds, this, this reminds me of that time last night I was, you know, I was in the shower. <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting that they've got the Super League going back again. It's very touch footy-ish. Um, well, they've abolished scrums. Yeah, well, you don't want to have uh, players all standing around in the same area breathing into each other, you know. Um, yeah. All this close contact stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, da- I mean, being tackled by three men, that's fine. But being in a brief huddle with, you know, several more men, is, is that could spread coronavirus for people who are all locked down from being with the public so they don't get coronavirus. I don't get the idea of scrapping scrums. Neither do I. Don't understand it. It seems like a really dumb idea, but this is an organisation where they get, uh, you know, they get voted into positions and they wear a big necklace to show that that's their position. So, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, they sit in front of a vending machine on a bunch of fold-out chairs and tables. It's like, oh, well, that's a really nice fucking Mr. T. It's kind of like like watching the Pope being coronated at a train station. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, is that the Pope? What's he doing at fucking Mount Druid Station? 
Oh, he's just getting the $5 bottle of Coke and a $3 Mars bar. Yeah, look at that. Oh, he's shaking the machine. It's, it's not coming out. But, yeah, it's a weird one. Have we had a crusher tackle here on um, David Fafita? Fafita is pleading for a penalty. Let's have a, Let's look, have a here. look Oh, a little, little bit. A little bit. Just an accidental one, though. Yeah, I'd be more worried about the hand up the ass, to be honest. Yeah, same here. You never want to be used like a puppet. Well, some people do, actually. I've seen videos where... Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> George, George Bird just... just I, 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 for, do, you I think, do you think there's a link between the name George and, um, you know, hog size? <laughs> what other Georges have there Ooh. been in history? King George? King George... Um, George Clooney. Yeah. Um, George of the Jungle. <laughs> George Jetson. George Foreman. Yeah, I'm struggling here. Um, I'm sure that's enough of a field to justify that, that um, I might be on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Andrew, I've got nothing for you. <laughs> no, we'll go with that. Um, this is some weird tackling style here. Yeah, the it's it's there's not much defence here. Hey, um, it just runs up and stands still. There's no slide. Oh, French is playing. Oh no, he's not playing five eight. I keep forgetting they get to choose their own number. Yeah, I don't know why. I I just find that absolutely stupid. I I hate it. I was actually talking to Sandy about it and uh, was saying how in Australia you kind of have to earn your number and keep it. Whereas over there they um they just <laughs> pick it and she 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 understood because she's used to how it is in North America where you pick your number as well um and she like she didn't understand why we did it differently and when I explained it she was like oh yeah that makes sense well ours is position based I think the Super League is based on like NBA NFL type thing where you pick a number and stick with it yeah all year but I remember. But the problem is, is like unlike in the the NBA, especially, but the NFL as well. I mean, most players pick a number and they stick with it for their career. Yeah, these guys pick with it and stick it until Christmas time. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's more a way for them to be able to sell jerseys. Um, but the, the the other thing is too, like you got man, it, like there'd be some players that would be like say five eight or something, and they, they thought they were king shit, so they'd wear the number one jersey all year, and it's like ugh, so gross. <laughs> well, then you'd always get the douchebag that wants number 23. Yeah, yeah you're not Michael Jordan. Just settle yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> That's always <laughs> funny. I love watching rugby league players with number 23 and they're back in the Super League. What number would you wear if you had to pick a number? Uh... Wrong. The answer's 69. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Dennis Rodman wanted to wear number 69 when he went to the Bulls and they wouldn't let him. What was his number in the end? Uh, from memory, it was 91, was it? I think it was 91. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd probably go with something like four. Yeah. Why four? Because, you know, I didn't mind playing at centre. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with number one because I'm number one, bruh. Man, I had you pegged for a 23. 
No, I was <laughs> I, I I wasn't on the Bulls bandwagon. I was a Houston Rockets fan, so my number was number thirty-four. I actually, in woodwork, made a um a footstool that I carved number thirty-four into both sides of the legs. Should take a picture of it. Thirty-four is a bit sketchy looking, but uh, the stool is actually really good. I'm looking at it right now. It's very nice, made out of radiata pine. Very Still good. Going. Yeah, oh yeah, it's beautiful. It's nothing wrong with it. It's as good as the day I made it. And uh, I'm trying to think, did I lacquer that myself or did I lack- I think I lacquered it myself because the school lacquer, remember it used to be, I don't know if it was the same for you lot, but it used to be like basically oil. It wasn't real lacquer. And uh, somehow I had like proper, like real rich lacquer. And yeah, I used that. Right. I remember, you know what? I've actually got a... Um, a uh, a chopping board that I made, I think, in year seven, and I'm looking at that right now too, weirdly enough. Ours, in, in the country, our, our uh, lacquer was pretty much tar. Tar. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it might have had asbestos in it. It was pretty rough gear. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I made a pencil case, I think, in woodwork. Oh, really? One of the ones where you slide the top onto yeah, it? Yeah, you slide oh. the lid across. We made something else. I can't remember what it was now. We also had metal work. We had to weld stuff together. I can't remember what I made in that, though. You know, we had... I just I remember... Could... See, the problem I had in metal work yeah. was my old man is very, very good um, welder, builder, engineer, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I had all the pressure in the world on me. <laughs> it's kind of like, like being Mitchell Pierce. Yeah. That, Except that's a hell of a legacy to uphold. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was a hell of a legacy to uphold. And so I, I tried to opt out of doing metal work at any cost. I couldn't live up to that hype. Do you know, in I think it was in year eight or nine, I can't quite remember, I picked design and technology. I did design and technology A. There was two classes you could do, A or B. And I had the day that they were picking, that you had to pick your courses, Super Bowl day. I never went to school on Super Bowl day. So I, I go and it's like, you've got to pick what's left. So I picked design A or whatever was there. So the teacher that we had was actually this female PE teacher who didn't like me. I think it was because she liked netball and I thought netball was a shit sport and I told her. (laughs) Anyway, so she changed the whole class from design and technology A to sewing and jewellery making. (laughs) And so I I, you can imagine I fucking blew up. I was like, I can't do sewing and jewellery making. On change courses, I wasn't able to change courses, so I ended up doing a course, and I made like a ring out of a out of silver, and it was like just a, there was nothing special about it. It was literally a a bodgy ring of silver, and uh, yeah, jewelry making and so on. <laughs> Fuck, you can imagine what my reaction was like. I I did home ec, which was cooking. Oh really? And all the guys used to shit on me all the time for it. Yeah. Yeah, guess how many of those guys have to get females to cook food for them? I make my own tacos now. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, they've got it right. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the. Uh, I'm trying to think. I remember I did a – because I got to a point where I think it was year 9 or 10. I can't remember. No, it would have been year 10 where you could pick as many PE courses as you wanted to do. So I picked all of them, right? Like I did fucking orienteering and – there was uh, one of them where we had this PE teacher, and she didn't like me either. I had some, most of the PE teachers really liked me, but there was two that didn't. There was the netball one, and this other one, who 
how would I describe her? Um, careful. I know. I'm trying to be really careful. She was uh, very. She was very handsome person. <laughs> Does that make sense? Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> she was a handsome woman. Uh, anyway, she didn't like me, and I remember she, in the class she was. She said, "We're going to learn corf ball." And I was like, why? And she was like, because it's really big in Germany. I was like, no, I don't think it is. Soccer is. And she was like, no, golf ball. It's, we, we've got to learn it. And what a load of shit. <laughs> what a fucking dumb sport golf ball is. <laughs> so I'm just stuck on handsome. Yes, yes. I don't even. I think you know what I mean, though, don't you? Yeah, like she had a well-trimmed beard. She she was a she's a good person. I'm not saying anything bad about her. She didn't like me though. Uh, other PE teachers loved me. I had a te- I was about to say her name. I had a, I had a PE teacher that really liked me, uh, and I would go to the PE room on a on a Wednesday, which was sport day. Go in the morning, pick one of my mates out, and say let's go and chat with so and so. So I'd go in, knock on the door, the teacher's door, PE teacher's door, and I'd say hey. Can we help you put out the sport equipment later on? And she was like, yeah, no worries. So we'd put out the sport equipment with her and um, get out of all of the classes on Wednesday. It was great. And then I'd go and play footy or do whatever sport I was doing at the time. Good stuff. <laughs> if you're out there, Belinda, how's it going, sweetheart? <laughs> that was lovely. Yeah. I had my, my first PE teacher in high school um, – got the sack for written one of the, the uh, students. Really? What? Really? At your school? Mm. There, wasn't there only like 16 t- kids at your school? No, no, this isn't when I was in high school. That was that, that was a much bigger school. There's oh, probably a few hundred there. Really? I, I think about six or 700 when I started there. Really? Down, down, down about 400 when I finished year 12. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to move on, Andrew. We do. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's good to take people down memory lane sometimes, isn't it? It is. It is. Even if it's just a memory lane that we have that they don't, they can't relate to. Yeah, they've probably switched off. <laughs> they haven't gone. They're talking about shit now. Yeah. You know what we should do? What? We should pay for some of this billboarding over there in the uh, these Super League games. Just put a big logo up there for Manscaped. That would be really cool. If uh, So you see all of these billboards they've got in the background if we wanted to put our podcast on, right? Which one do you think they don't need? You tell me, Andrew. <laughs> that's called putting you in a box. The uh, the one that says Prestone on it. Yeah, what's Prestone? No oh, idea. You almost got to look. No idea. Tell you, tell you what I'd do. Yeah. It's like, go up to the Super League and say, look... I want to do some advertising with you, yeah. and I've had a look at some of your past models, yeah. and I've got a good idea, yeah. and that is you put my advertising up there, I give you nothing in return, mm-hmm. and I'll talk about you on social media. Like, glowingly, Yeah, I'll say nice things about the game, and that'll be it. So where do I sign? Yeah, they'd probably go for that. See, I couldn't say that because as soon as they Googled my website... All bets are off. Well, yeah, you got to say, you know, as of this point in time. Yeah. Yeah, we can't. Can't be making deals based on what happened in the past. 
Yeah, the past is the past. Yeah, We're looking towards the future here, yeah. We can't undo what's done. I think I that would work. I wonder what Press Stones is. I don't know. I see that all I'm reminded of is a Top Gear episode where they, they named one of their... They, they put fake sponsors on the side of the car because it's BBC. They can put real sponsor names on there. Yeah. So put one on there. It's um, Peniston Biscuits or something like that. But when you open the door, it just said Penis. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, this time of the year, Eddingley Cricket Grounds car park looks pretty nice, doesn't it? Yeah, I'll tell you what, the grass looks mick. It really does. Did you see the wet weather footy today at Cogra? Mm. I couldn't believe how waterlogged that ground was. I haven't seen an NRL ground that waterlogged in years and years and years. No, that was... That was amazing how how many puddles were all over the place. Yeah, and the ball was just dying on a kick. It'd get one or two bounces and just die. Yeah, um, I was I was genuinely impressed with how the Sharks played in that game because I, I was expecting them to fall in a bit of a heap and get get rolled pretty easily, even even with the conditions. But they really took it to power. How good was uh, PNG Gandalf looking schmick? Um, yes. <laughs> Isn't it funny that he played for Queensland and under no circumstances does he qualify for Queensland? Like not not even in the slightest way. Um, not the first. Won't be the last. Yeah, exactly. It's funny how when they tightened up the eligibility rules, Queensland turned to shit though. Right? <laughs> that was funny how that worked out. Yes. Do you know the Super League logo, right? Yeah. It, it just, when I look at the, because it's changed over the years. Yeah, it's now it a just, really fat ass. It just looks like a bowel obstruction to me. <laughs> Don't you reckon? Yeah, it does. It's a very fat ass. Yeah, it looks like some, someone needs to go in and, I don't know, get... And, Call a plumber. Yeah, something's impacted in there and they need to get it, you know, scraped out or whatever happens when that happens. Too many too many chips. <laughs> too, too much of the gravy in the uh, battered. Yeah, too much battered gravy. Yeah. So here's, a, here's a few basic block plays and look how effective they are. Jeez, tackle him. That's an idea. It's not touch footy. Scrums might be banned, but you know what? Tackling isn't. Oh, Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Jeez, they're bad. Oh, shit. Who's that coach? Um, I'm not sure. Isn't it weird that Nathan Brown's big idea to save the New Zealand Warriors is to sign a bunch of outside backs from England? I, I tweeted today, like, just name a list of outside backs that have come over from England that have been anything other than disastrous. Mackinson. Joe they, Burgess. He, he, they haven't come over. Joe Burgess came over. Yeah, but he was here for like five minutes and went home. Yeah, but he was brilliant. <laughs> How dare you. Shh. Don't tell Nathan. <laughs> what about... Uh, Andy like, Courier. Well, somebody said, there was somebody tweeted me and they said they listed a bunch of names. One of them was Ellery Hanley. It was That's like, a given. Come on, dude. He's not an outside backer when he was playing in Australia. No, he was and a 5 8 and a lock. And that was one of them was 
One of them was uh, Martin Offia. And I was like, come on, he was here for five minutes. That doesn't count. Um, oh, who were the other ones? The other ones were shit. The other ones Schofield? were... I, I I don't think he said Schofield. Okay, Sean Edwards? No, he didn't say Sean, Ed- Sean Edwards, no. He's missing some of the, you know... Oh, Jonathan Davies. He said Jonathan Davies. Fucking garbage. Okay. More um, garbage. Did he mention Andy Courier? No. Oh, good. But then, look how far you're going back, man. It's like, <laughs> when you start talking about outside backs that have come to Australia from England that have been good, because I was saying that the best English player of all time is Bob Fulton. <laughs> and, and like, I'm right. He's born in England. Best best English player of all time. He's the only English immortal. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking of outside backs. So a bit more recent. Yeah. Um, what's he? What was his name? Uh, he played for the Broncos. Jack. Jack Reed. Jack Reed. He was solid. Gareth Widdop. Well, Gareth Widdop. Would you call him an outside back? I think that as a fullback. Yeah. It's not really an outside back, but it's... I mean, I'll, I'll say I, I, I've always rated Gareth Widdop. Oh yeah. One of our Tony's greatest ever players, if not the best. Yeah. How bad is Ryan Hall, though? Is he the worst NRL player? No. Who do you think's worse? Bryce Cartwright. Oh. Oh, man. See, I can forgive Ryan Hall for how bad he is because he's old. But Bryce Cartwright is young and not even close to his prime, and he was close to origin selection, and now he's just... He's just... He's in zero. He's a horrid. I, yeah. I rate him as the worst player at the moment. Hands I down. Think, I think... How old's Bryce Carr? What would he be, 25? I'm not even sure if he's that old. Let me have a look. I'm going to say 25. No, he's 25. Okay. So, so I was <laughs> right. He turns, he turns 26 in November. Okay, all right. Yeah, you're right. And how and and what's uh what's his face? He's what thirty one, I would say. Ryan Hall. Yeah. See, I've got a feeling he might be older than that. Yeah. He's thirty two. Okay. He turns thirty three about a week after Bryce Cartwright does. Oh, really? And the, the thing about Ryan Hall too, like from memory, he's had two like blowout knee problems. Yes. Um, which what injuries? What injuries has Bryce Cartwright had? And that's the thing. That's a really good point you make. It, got, Bryce Cartwright's never had an injury. He's got no excuses. He doesn't have old age. He doesn't have old injuries. He's just shit. So if you're pit, say say one of them has to sign for the West Tigers, who are you picking? Yeah, I'll take Ron Hall. Wow, I would take Bryce Cartwright, I think. Never I'd never go near him. Yeah, I don't want to. But no. I feel so Ryan Hall is catastrophic, whereas Bryce Cartwright I can stick stick him on the bench and just not use him. But Ryan Hall you kinda of gotta start on the wing. Yeah, I'd I'd take Ryan Hall. Okay. Controversy on the podcast. Controversy, yeah. What was the other thing we uh, disagreed with? Um, I'll Josh kick Reynolds his... kicking at someone's head. <laughs> kicking. That's right. 
That's right. You were completely wrong in that one too. <laughs> <laughs> That's, how weird is it? That's the two things we really have properly not agreed. <laughs> Positive reinforcement on Fergan the Freak. <laughs> there you go. Oh shit. There you go. See that way people can't can't say that I'm opposed to every British player. I wrote one. I wrote one of them <laughs> over Ryan over um, Bryce Carter. People keep saying that about me, but it's only a bunch of whinge and palms, so it doesn't matter. I wrote George Williams over Bryce Cartwright. Oh yeah, I wrote George Williams over Bryce Cartwright. Um, I would rate uh, what's his name, the busted hooker at Canberra. I'd rate Josh Hodgson. Yeah, Josh Hodgson over Bryce Cartwright. Um. Herbie Farnworth. Herbie, he's actually pretty handy. He's a yeah. pretty good athlete. He's he's a you know, you know how many I... times they mentioned he was British during the week. Yeah, I know, right? Seven hundred and fifty-four times. I know. I love his name. He reminds me of the old dude on Futurama, but it's just his name anyway. But he's he just, got. He just, uh... he just reminds me of those shitty car movies from the eighties. I love those movies. Uh, I've Herbie never watched them since. To... Herbie goes to everywhere. I love them. Because bananas. I don't remember all the names of them, but I used to love watching those movies when I was a kid. I'm certain he was named after that car. I hope so. How could he not be? It's you're, prob- either, you're either Herb, Herbert, or you're named after Herbie the Love Bug. That's true. I wonder where he's from in England, because that would say a lot. Like, is he from, like, a... He wouldn't be from London, so we know that he's... From a you know sometime back in the sixties or seventies. Do you want to have a guess? I'm going to say he's from Lancashire. Yes, correct. And he is from. Let me guess. I I feel like it's Warrington Lee. Starts with B. Bolton. Burnley. Burnley. <laughs> the who plays for Burnley? Was it wasn't quite what you had in mind, was it? No, no. <laughs> Still, stepping back in time, I'm guessing we're going to Burnley. Well, that's true. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's I'm sure it's a nice, quaint town. It's very special. I've not been there, so I'm not going to pass judgment on. I'll yeah. only criticise the ones I've been to. I'm sure it's on most people's. Uh, <laughs> 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 Oh, that's rough. That's even rough for me, man. Seems balanced like that. Yeah, yeah. There were some nice places in England. The departure lounge. That's <laughs> pretty good. I wouldn't want this lounge for that. Got myself a lemonade. Was it real lemonade or was it just... Yeah, it was a Schweppes. I feel oh, it was a Schweppes. It was one of those three-quarter cans. Oh, so it wasn't quite a proper drink then. No, but I was like, you got to remember, I got like a 26-hour flight ahead of me, and uh, uh, so I didn't want to, like, stock up on coffee or anything like that. I don't don't know that I was drinking coffee back then. Do you know I went about eight years without drinking anything with caffeine in it or eating chocolate? Was that prior to your birth? (laughs) No, no. Oh, what a try! Oh. That's absurd. We've just seen an English winger doing essentially an AFL mark 
on the sideline and then reaches out with one hand down sort of behind him and gets the ball down before going into touch. He's doing all that in the middle of the air. Man, this is insane. So Trinity, they get the ball. Nice kick over the left-hand side. Everyone's on side. Everyone's on side. You can press play. It's nicely placed kicked. Tom Johnson. Oh, that's a nice grab in the air. And then one-handed. Oh, get it down, son. Get it down. He's he's palming that ball. He's got it. Get it down. Yes. That's very good. That's a good effort. Just before his foot went into touch. Yeah. His ankle is up over the sideline. Oh, that's nice. That's good he's, body control. He's in easy. Green light that shit. Yeah. We already know the result here. Yeah. Taking a while. Try. Hang on. You've got to do it like the English commentators do. T-R-I. <laughs> you gotta spell it every time Tom Johnston he's had six tries in Super League this year this year yeah very good that is a cracker he's one of the most naturally gifted wingers that play for Wakefield Trinity in 2020 on the left side yeah yeah not being too niche no good effort Who's the goalkeeper? Oh, the Frenchman. Man, he's nailed that. Can the Tigers yeah, pick him? Yeah. He's a fullback and a goalkeeper. Excellent stuff. He was playing at Toronto at the start of the year, I believe. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was on loan, I think. That's a real good try. Very yeah. That. Points for Give- the uh, degree of difficulty, too. Yeah, give him a call, Nathan Brown. Yeah, pick him up straight away. Yeah. There's there he is. Coach. He's pissed off. He lost a job to Nathan Brown. Now <laughs> <laughs> you're a bludgy coach. <laughs> he's looking impressed. He's just, he's keeping an eye. He's, he's casting his eye over the players in this game ahead of the 2021 World Cup. Like, go home, Sean. Well, that's right. He's the coach of England now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be tough to beat. That's an upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was Wayne Bennett's fault that they lost. Did you hear that? Yeah. I just think it was stupid signing Wayne Bennett in the first place, to be honest. Well, Ben, he, he, he phoned it in. He did, yeah. He phoned it in. But some of his selections were pretty shit. But, you know, he's, he's picking from a pile of manure. <laughs> he's also doing a feel good and, you know, picking a team via email. Yeah, it doesn't work, see? No. <laughs> I feel good. I'm going to badger everyone on Twitter about that. Well, how's he doing this job when he's not in fucking New Zealand? Can he, how outrageous that a club would pay somebody that doesn't even live in the country to tell them how to fix the junior development. That's outrageous. That's stupid. It really is. But, yeah, Gould has all the answers. He'll tell you. Yeah, just ask him. Yeah. Oh, Karen. Karen. <laughs> all right, come on, Mike. You just kick it over to the corner again. Tommy can catch it. 
Oh, nice little off right there. Step, dummy. They should have miles of space out in the right-hand side. Come on, Wakey. And he goes left. Horrible ball. Yep, really terrible. Behind him, low. Not a bad run in the end. He just took it back to where the play the ball was. Yep, that's what you want to do. Go nowhere. Nowhere at all. (laughs) Now they're going off to the right. One play too late. Uh, Drops the ball cold. Yeah. They had a nice back line set up. They didn't know what they were going to do with it. But they knocked it on. Look at that. They, they, see, this is the thing about English Rugby League, right? They don't really understand backline plays. Or passing. But why, why on the last would you pass a crash ball to a front row when you've got the backline set out wide? Yeah, exactly. That's like Cronulla 2014 type play. <laughs> Just give it to Gal on the last. He'll do it. England's own Jack Hastings. <laughs> I don't know, this looks a bit like a um, Parramatta playing Great Britain from 1992. Yeah, it's weird. I, that's the one thing about Wakey's jersey. It always just reminds me of Great Britain. And it just, I don't know, you feel like you're about to watch a failure unfold, you know? <laughs> Saying that, I did like the old Great Britain jumpers. Yeah, yeah, they were good. I loved it. Anytime, you know, I watch them play, you always end up happy. <laughs> But they do. It is. It it is a nice throwback to the good old days when they were good for TV and stuff. <laughs> before we were born. Oh, before most fucking people that are alive were born. <laughs> Let's face it. If you were born when Great Britain were good, shit, man, you don't want to get Rona. <laughs> your time are going. Yeah, you're sitting somewhere in a fucking retirement home, hoping that the dirty bastards is at work there. Are washing their hands and to come in with their fucking face mask on. Exactly right. Well, we're into the last nine minutes and 50 seconds of this game. Didn't think we are going to be talking about this game of footy when we started this podcast, but, you know, no. we, probably, we probably didn't think we are going to be mentioning the Formula One either. That's true. We're is all this, real around us here. Is this going to be, you know, helpful for the SEO? No, not at all. Oh, uh, Damn. Although we, we might get some listeners from uh, small towns in northern England, but <laughs> thankfully we won't get any listeners from, you know, giant cities in North America because who would want that? That's right. Oh, Actually, here's a try. Oh, nice try. They're coming Man back, you wakey. Man bun scores. Yeah, this is one of those Kardashian games. Man. Yeah, that's a hairstyle you can make a, you can make an ugly mullet with. That's true. I'm going to get uh, Sandy on this week. I think she's coming on on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, and we're just going to have a chat about footy, hey? That's a good idea. Yeah. Ask her her thoughts on um, Adrian Lamb's yeah, beard. Uh, looks. Yeah. Why is it? Why is Adrian, Adrian Lamb's beard comforting to look at? It's soothing. It really is. I would love to see him just, you know, stroke it. Like his yeah. beard, I mean. <laughs> just get that and make a gif out of it that just repeats over and over again and just watch that till yeah. you go to sleep at night. Exactly. It's like a, a ASMR. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you could just get the sound of him stroking his beard as well mm. as the video. Yeah. There we go. Liam Kay, Irishman, he scored 160 tries in his career, including club, club, club record 66 in 70 games, I believe it said. Yeah. 
That's amazing. It is. I it love is. seeing an Irishman do well in rugby league. Hi. Hey. I wonder where in Ireland he was born. Probably somewhere in Yorkshire. <laughs> let's let's have a look, shall we? Yeah. Okay, so this is an important kick. Going to bring them within a converted try of Wigan. So a little under eight minutes left. It's it's kickable, definitely yeah. kickable. Yeah, he was born in England. He splices it. <laughs> he was born in England. Whereabouts in England? Uh, it just says England. Ah, uh, that's good enough. It's all the no same. one knows. It's only a small place. The coach isn't happy. Nah, well, he misses that kick and that, I mean, that almost spikes the comeback. They would have to uh, score pretty quickly after the restart here. And the Irishmen come around the corner. Wow, seriously, a salad. Um, <laughs> sorry. Wait, it's like a bit of a temper. I'm just going to leave that one there. Yeah, <laughs> and sorry. That's perfectly fine. The, um, Ooh. wow, this is a nice backline play. Ooh, nice tackle around the legs. Didn't complete it, but still. That's it. Run one out. Yeah, you're only in your own half. Yeah, yeah, just hit-ups. That's what we want. Feet mm. hit-ups. Where's feet up? Honestly, that big unit doing some beats and shit. Yeah, same here. One-handed offloads, stuff like that. Acrobatic tries and shit in the corner. Uh, so, Wakey's just got into the uh, Wigan half. Here comes the kick. It's a Hail Mary. No one's chasing hard enough. No, nah, it's a terrible kick. It put no pressure on the ball ball receiver. And now that uh, Wigan is about 13 metres out from their own line, hitting it up. That's a good run there. Yeah, it's the uh, the Fluro Wigan Eels. Yep. Yeah. The Warrington Rhinos. <laughs> Don't know what that job is about. That's, that's just dumb. They, seriously, they call themselves the Cherry and Whites, and then they wear that abomination. It's like a kid kid designer using black ballpoint pens and yellow highlighters. Yeah. So you know what it looks like? A Paramount, a Paramount Eels World Nines jersey. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. They just got it out of the bargain bin. Yeah. With all the high-fizz work. There's that beard. Ah, look at that beard. That beard is just on point. So that's the thing. Just as we start to get a little bit pensive about the uh, about something in the footy, as your last beard comes along and we're all Shaman's calm again. Beard, yeah, and everything everything's good in the world. Mm. Jackson no, Hastings, a little sh- offload and a drop ball there from the ball receiver. Yeah, some ringer. He's probably from Ireland. Probably. <laughs> Even Andrew, uh, it doesn't matter. See? <laughs> <laughs> See, even when Adrian Lamb looks upset, it's still soothing. Yeah, it really is. Here he goes, big fella, making some meters, still trying to get him to the ground. Quick play the ball. Yeah. So pick up a... by the dummy half, goes one way, he comes back midfield. And then they plot a one out up. Yeah, they need to do something a little bit more creative than this. They've got to score on this set to even be in with a shot. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. 
Oh, oh it was almost a play there. See, the problem with playing out wide in England is it's so easy to get dragged over the sideline. Yeah. Oh, there's a bit of a dummy play. And there's a dumb play. Kicks for himself. And And someone uh, else gets it. Wow, that was a brain explosion. Yeah, that was, well, not so much an explosion. It was more of just a fart. Yeah. And one of those quiet farts. You know the ones where you you sit there and you think, I'm going to build up a really big beast of a fart. And it just goes, you know, the fuck. That's what that was. So how often do you sit around thinking to yourself, I spend a lot of time on trains with no one on there. Thinking of ways to entertain myself with farts. I'm gonna I'm gonna big build up a big beast of <laughs> What the fuck, man? Look, I'm working in an area at the moment where social distancing is always pushed. Yeah. And then what better way to promote social distancing than be by letting off filthy farts? Yeah, that's a good point. No one's within one point five meters of someone that's dropping their guts. I did the other day, so I dropped my guts and said to someone, hey, can you smell that? And they go, what is it? I, go, I know, it smells like something burning. And they come over and go, oh, yuck. That, yeah, that's and wrong. Did it, and then I did it to him four days later. I went, something smells like petrol. He goes, oh, <laughs> not again. I went, fuck you, four for it every time. <laughs> i gotta say, I got to say, all right, that would be, I'd want to fight someone that did that to me. <laughs> the disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> out of disrespect no, I can't believe I got him the first time let alone the second time yeah that's brilliant ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's rough well Wakefield a valiant effort they tried to make the comeback work and it didn't they're now trailed by seven so now David Vita has to score a converted try and kick a field goal that's yeah. a very unflattering image there of his guy hanging out yeah, but I would dare say he's got better cardio than pretty much everyone on the field, except Jack Hastings. Jack Hastings is just a powerhouse of human athletic achievement. Of uh, British brilliance. Yeah. You know, while this game winds down, I'd like to say thank you to everybody that listens to us in North Ooh, America. There's a try. It's another try, yeah. They might be in with the shot here. We got He's a lot, another one. We got a lot, yeah. The Irishman from England. He, uh, well, yeah, we get a lot. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, we get. We have a lot of listeners in North America. We're getting a lot from the United States recently too, so it's uh, good to see. And anybody that's listening to us now from India, we are uh, on one of the big Indian outlets. And so uh, if you're listening from India and you've made it this far into the podcast, hello. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy it. Go to manscaped.com, put in the code NRL, 20% off. Go William shake Cage. your scrot. Exactly. Liam, Liam Cage tries converted. There's about two minutes left. Wakefield trails by one point, and they're going to yeah. get the ball back here. Here we go. Dave feet to kick a field goal from 68, what do you reckon? I reckon he'd try it. <laughs> he'd give it a crack. Wouldn't have been but, nice to see Wigan get whipped. Oh, yeah. Where are they at? They look um, like they're in a uh, spray paint someone, booth. I was going to say someone's loft. Someone's loft. <laughs> they put a fucking TV in the lounge room next time. <laughs> exactly. You know, where most people sit. Yeah. 
Just in the storage area. The crawl space in the roof. Here we go, Dave Fafita. Nice run from the first hit up. Yeah, almost in field goal kicking area now. <clears throat> okay, second play. Up the guts of the field, hit up. <laughs> I'm going to take a guess here and say the next one's going to be a, a hit up. <laughs> called it. <laughs> you did, you called it good. They're just up over their own 40 metre line now. Quick play the ball. Hit up again. Uh, oh, no, they've gone two passes. Their Three back passes. Line. They. Oh, nice little offload out the back there. They're Going losing. back in field, running all the way across the field. Looking for a ball runner. Everyone wants to run <laughs> sideways from him. Everyone's yeah, standing around looking. Cross halfway. Coming up, 45 seconds left. They're not Jesus. quite in field goal range. They probably need one more. They probably need that extra. Crack. Why not just go for it here? That's a shocker. That is fucking terrible. They had oh, one more tackle under their belt, and he comes up with that shit. <laughs> that is a dog's breakfast. Look at him. He's like, fuck these idiots. <laughs> Miller. That was... That yeah. was... Yeah, I've seen dogs get kicked better than that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not by me. No, nah, by other I people. Love, I, love, I love dogs. Dogs are I good. I love dogs too, yeah. It's delicious. Um, they're, not, they're non-demanding. No. If you forget to feed them, they don't make a scene. Uh, nah, you compare it to a cat, man. They go and they yeah, go and but, knock shit off the bench. They make a fucking noise and a ruckus, and they whinge and bitch and moan about it for fucking hours. You don't have a cat. You've got a fucking like, like a mini lion. It's not a cat. It's uh, okay. I'm, I'm training it to to realize it is a cat. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your fucking cat is like a. How often do you let your cat out, by the way? It never goes outside. Yeah, because it would just be a murdering machine. Exactly. That thing would kill more people than fucking coronavirus. <laughs> All right. Well, so, I reckon we've done some good work here today, Andrew. Yeah, that'll keep people busy. Yeah, three and a half hours on a Monday. If uh, And hopefully we've given people some laughs. We've talked a lot of rugby league, watched a little bit of rugby league, talked some F1. Talk some PE teachers. Talk some high school. Some and fucking there's, work. There's Adrian Ames beer just to round us out. Yeah, very nice. That's, that's lovely. Alrighty, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, you can catch us on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. Um, you know all the rest. You've listened to enough. I won't go any further. Go to manscape.com, buy stuff, put in the code NRL, NRL and you'll get twenty percent off free shipping. Do it. Do it.